Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's been a big week in gaming. I'm Intergot and he's Swinney for episode 10 for Sunday the 20th of September 2020. In this week's show, we'll be discussing, finally, the PlayStation 5 price, pre-orders and release date has been revealed. Another surprise Nintendo Direct Mini partner showcase and Swinpressions on... I don't even know how to say this name. Donuts. <laughs> Tell me why, series. Um, <laughs> sweetie, that save my, me. That is my favorite intro of any of the podcasts we've done so far. It, it's don't nod. What's hard to say about don't nod? Well, because it's it's a it's an anagram, right? A oh, palindrome. Sorry. Yeah, it is a palindrome, but I mean, yeah. it's pretty easy. Out of all the palindromes that could exist, it's one that's pretty easy to announce. Sorry, uh, when you have a when you have a D O N T N O D, it's not an English word. <laughs> when I saw don't it, know. I thought I should just skip and say, "Tell me why." <laughs> why didn't you? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and if you do enjoy fine context like this, uh, make sure you share with your friends and give us a five star review. <laughs> How's your week been? Uh, it's, it's been, it's been pretty good, but I've been through a couple of journeys and, uh, there's, there's, there's one that I'll get to at the end of the show in one of our features about, uh, tell me why, but the other one, uh, I just, just want to talk to you a bit about, uh, I picked up my copy of, uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars about an hour ago. Yes. So the journey to get that though was interesting. So I think uh, when I think you sent me some links when they announced that the pre-orders were open, and I'm yeah. fairly certain they were EB Games links that you sent me. I'm fairly certain. Yeah, 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 yeah. The first yeah. ones because EB Games are pretty good. They're almost always the first in Australia to go <laughs> live, uh, but I don't normally get from them straight away because they're not usually yeah. the best on price. So I, it was during work hours and we had this like team meeting, but it was one of those ones where you just like, hey. You know, you're just there listening, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, oh, man, I'm worried about this. So while, you know, I was listening in, I'm like, i got to quickly pre-order this stuff. So I wanted to do it as quickly as possible. (laughs) And that meant that, unfortunately, I went through a checkout process without creating, like, an account with EB Games, even though I technically have one somewhere, which meant that I, like, didn't know how to access any of my information about the order. Like, I didn't get anything about (laughs) some percent of my email or anything. And luckily... (laughs) You know, what? I got a missed call from them a couple of days before and I couldn't get through to them. And Anyway, it comes to <laughs> yesterday, the release day, right? I call them up and they're like, oh, yeah, great, cool. Um, so you put down, it was like $10 and then I had to pay the rest, right? 70 bucks or something. And I'm like, okay, cool. So how does that work? I go into the store and they're like, oh, we need, unfortunately, we need you to actually purchase gift cards. And oh, then you yeah. use the gift cards to pay for the remainder of the pre-order. <laughs> and I'm like, now, now this is huh. this is because of. So again, context is I'm in Sydney. We don't have any lockdown or anything. It's pretty open in Sydney. I'm even considering going to see Tenant, which is a different conversation altogether. The cinema, whereas you're in Melbourne and it's heavy lockdown. Yeah. So every any retail retail store like in EB Games is click and collect only, and so they've literally oh. got the doors closed. You can't walk in. Really? Um, That's spooky. Yeah. Dude. Oh, it's it's super super spooky. But so I'm it's like nineteen like eighties Russia. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So the 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 guy on the phone was super helpful, and he's like, "Okay, you know, you can obviously get the digital codes through um, the EB store website, but you can also go through Zing Pop Culture, which is like their I guess sister." outlet for the you know like the pop culture stuff and 
he said, probably go to Zing Pop Culture because um, they'll be getting less traffic to their site, right? I'm like, okay, cool. That's smart. So I go in there and, you know, I needed to, I was also paying off the game and watch things. So I'm like, uh, okay, I need this amount and I'll get the gift cards. Go to pay for it (laughs) with PayPal, have an error. I'm like, okay, all right. Then I go back, okay, I'll pay for it with my credit card. And I'm like, huh, error. Okay, hmm, all right, well, I'll leave it, you know, blah, 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 and I'll come back. Same thing again. And I'm like, hmm. So I'm like, bugger, I'm going to go to the EB store website. Same issues again. I'm like, oh, my God, I just want to pay for this bloody pre-order because I need to go have it ready by the time I, <laughs> before we record this podcast because I need yeah, to get yeah. up in the morning. And I finally got it paid off, and then, like, it was just, I'm like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. I could have just, like, bought it outright. And I wouldn't have had to do any of this crap. But I was so worried about it selling out that I had to pre-order. But it, I got there, like I had to like to read them out two different gift card codes over the phone, then go there and I forgot my, oh my phone God. to call them up when I got outside the store. And oh, anyway. <laughs> I got the game. I got the game. But I was just like, anyone that's interested in pre-ordering and they're in the middle of Melbourne lockdown, I'd probably maybe just wait till the restrictions are eased a bit. That's my well, but you could just get it delivered, right? From Amazon or something. No, but I'm saying if someone is... Um, yeah, I'm saying like pre-order specifically. Um, yeah. if they you wouldn't want to do pre-order, pre-order anything, pickup in Melbourne at the moment. Well, that was kind of... I needed. I went through that process quickly. As I said, I was, in, I was technically at work. So I'm like, I'm oh, just quickly going to do this. Yeah. And I just went with that option. But um, the I other thing I... I yeah, go on. No, so I was just saying... And the other thing I was going to mention. So I... On the way out, I got myself a, a, a hot dog and milkshake, right, from Donut King or something. And <laughs> This is like I a ritual. Want, no, I just... Well, that's the thing is, I'm struggling to remember, were you there when I was given so much shit for getting a hot dog with a milkshake? Yeah. In So you were there, okay, because, you know, I, I just wasn't sure. I'm fairly certain you were. Were you one of the ones giving me shit about getting a hot dog and milkshake? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I do... I have that as well, so... <laughs> I think it was just to stir you up. <laughs> because that's the thing. I'm like, is there some like hidden cabal of people that are like secretly against like hot dog and milkshakes, even though they sell them as meal deals? I'm like, man, that's it's like the hot dog deep state or something like that. Hot, hot dog and milkshake is like just about as anti-kosher as you can get. Because with <laughs> kosher, you, number one, you can't have pork or anything like that. And then you also shouldn't be mixing like meat and dairy products within, I think, like a 12 or 48 hour or 24 hour period. So like that combination is like just about as anti-kosher as you can get, which is quite funny. When you say hot uh, dairy and and meat, I mean, hot dog meat's pretty far along the like the meat scale. It's almost vegetarian, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's almost, (laughs) you could could almost not consider a meat product at some point. But um <laughs> well, all right. Yeah, I like, just, just, just need to clarify if you're one of those people, that's all. I was definitely. But you know, anything to stir you up is always worth it. But yeah, so like my my sort of story on the pre order is totally different. I, you know, pre ordered it from uh JB Hi Fi in person. Um and you know, like with these kind of things, if I want it, like I'll just pre order it straight away because I don't want to be in a spot where I'm kind of umming and ahhing and that actually sells out. Like that just drives me nuts. But then at the same time, I'm one of those idiots that, you know, I went to pick it up on Friday morning, um, pretty much as as soon as I could before work. So I think I was there at like 9am and yeah, like, so I picked it up and then 
<laughs> I don't know. There was like six or seven people that had pre-ordered it because they had the box there and you could see it. But then they had like literally like a hundred copies <laughs> on the desk. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I don't know. It feels like whenever, you know, you pre-order something and then it doesn't sell out or there's just stacks of copies everywhere. You feel, uh, personally, I feel like a bit of a goose or something. It's like, oh, okay. I didn't need to be so frantic about pre-ordering this, but you never know, right? You never know. Yeah. Yeah, pre-ordering's a, a weird thing. It it's almost become just like ritualistic for people, even though there's absolutely no necessary, really no need for it. Outside of obviously, they'll give lots of bonuses these days for pre-ordering, but some of those bonuses just come along to the main game to everyone else eventually anyway. But yeah, I think yeah, like it, pre-ordering limited things makes sense, obviously, because it often sells out, especially in Australia. Um, pre-ordering, and we'll get to this shortly. Pre-ordering hardware makes a lot of sense. But I've almost never pre-ordered games because, you know, they're almost always available. But this was just a bit different because, you know how they kept on saying it's limited? I'm like, oh, you know, the way Nintendo is, like, I remember Astral Chain, when that came out, it pretty much just sold out straight away and it was really hard to get a copy of it. Um, So, yeah, I'm just conscious of that because I like to get the physical games rather than just digitally because obviously you can just get this game digitally. Well, the the games that I would generally pre-order... I mean, there hasn't been one in a while, but like anything, any Mass Effect games or um, Souls games, um, because I like getting the steel books. Um, oh, yeah. I yeah. Just, well, I that's just limited, like yeah. yeah. So they're the, they're the examples of when I'll pre order and obviously get on, on release for that. But the other thing I just, I guess for me this week, I've just oh, put so much time in at Kingdom of Amalur re reckoning. It's like oh, yeah. 60, hours, 60 hours at this point. And so that's <laughs> another, I don't know, like. 35 hours since the last podcast um and <laughs> look i love that game but i mentioned last week in my uh, swim impressions that hey you know if you're interested in picking this game up maybe wait a week or two um mm. and i would extend that even a few more weeks because it is so buggy it is ridiculously buggy i am at the point where it's crashing about once an hour for me to the desk uh, to the <laughs> So the whatever the desktop is you'd call in the Xbox. Um oh, yeah, like the dashboard or something. Dashboard, yeah. And it's it's great, but that is that is a problem because what I've read is that um they while they fixed up a lot of the like, visuals and they made some improvements here and there, they didn't fix any of the old bugs in the game. <laughs> That's awesome. But they've got their <laughs> own and, jump. But yeah, but it's addition and they've got additional new bugs. So one thing, <laughs> one thing is a, so awesome. Yeah, one thing is a PSA for everyone is that you know I mentioned last week that hey they did a day one patch that was end up being a day two patch to patch in that very hard mode, right? Yeah. Um. There's there's an achievement for playing through the game on the hard difficulty, and yeah. I'd kind of been given a heads up by someone that playing it on very hard doesn't unlock the hard achievement, right? So normally it works that way where you play. It's like it goes oh. down the chain, right? Yeah, like games that don't do that, and the, the there is, you know, we'll get to it in a second. But the secret game that I've been playing that I haven't even told you, it has this thing exactly the same. It's not achievements, but where you beat it on a harder difficulty, it doesn't recognize that you've beaten it at the easier difficulty, which drives yeah. me nuts. It's so, so stupid. It, in this case, right, they're patching it, but. Anyone that's already started their game on that very hard, if they if they're, they're out of luck. They'll have to start the whole game again if they they want that. To oh, 
And so, there's some really serious game-breaking bugs I've heard in this game <laughs> that they're, yes. they're frantically trying to <laughs> patch. Yeah, so what um, I've heard a lot of people say that a whole like enemies' bodies will disappear, and the problem with that is that some of those are like quest enemies that will yeah. have things you need to pick up off, off their bodies, like quest <laughs> items. And I've been I've been like staggering my saves, like I've got like twelve staggered saves at the moment where I'll just cycle through, <laughs> and I'm like I'm I think I'm probably pretty good because I think the point where people started seeing it happen, I'm well past that. But man, like it's it's such a shame because the game is really, really decent, like and really like I love it, but you know, like in the scope of everything, it's a it's a really strong game. But man, it's buggy as hell. Like they yeah. they needed to have this in the oven for a lot longer. It's a shame. Well it's almost a game within the game, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but man, I've played I've played Fallout New Vegas. I'm 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 used to this crap. <laughs> And I was I was wondering, um, before we get into the big, big, big news, it is genuinely a big week in gaming. It always is a big week in gaming. Um, <laughs> did you want to, you know how you sent recently, and I, I, you know, this was in the chat around achievements, but it was like parenting achievements. Oh, yeah. Did you, <laughs> I think that in my three years of being a dad, that this week I earned the, the hardest achievement. True achievement, it would have been 0.01% or something. <laughs> Do you do you want to know what it was for? Please tell me. It's pretty gross. <laughs> Go ahead, share it. All right, so you know, you know, my son, my eldest, he's three. He, um, you know, he's kind of getting into toilet training now, and oh, he was having a bath. Here we go. Right, he was having a bath, and he's like, "Oh, I need to do a wee." I'm like, "Oh, you know, can I get you out?" And he goes, "No, no, no." So I'm holding on to him, and he's kind of like facing towards me. And he's kind of like straining a little bit. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And then I can see something emerge from behind him. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God. Like I was, I always was really fearful of this and I usually give him a bath. Anyway, I, like, you know, I'm not going to go into gross out details, but a few things like one, there was such volume of material. I was almost <laughs> like, is this child sick? Like... How is this possible? <laughs> right? And to be fair, I didn't even know, you know, like, I don't know. I don't inspect these kind of things. So maybe that is a normal amount, but it seemed ridiculous. It seemed comical almost. And then, you know, I got him out and you have to like be pretty calm and like, you know, it's all fine and not react or anything or else it's going to get a complex. Um, so that's all good. Clean him all up. Then I was left in the situation. It's like, what am I going to do? <laughs> right? Like, how am I going to fix this situation? <laughs> Did you, have, really you have, have like anything. a? Go you do, you don't have fish or anything, do you? No, I don't have anything. Oh, like so that. you didn't have a net or anything? Oh, that's <laughs> no, so I have nothing great. like a net. And I was thinking I probably could use like a plastic bag, but it was going to be really difficult. But because of this whole coronavirus thing, I have like so many gloves. Oh, here we go. Here we so go. physically, <laughs> with my hands and gloves, I'm fishing out all this material. <laughs> And I was just like, oh man, this is like, this is like a real parent. I feel like a real dad. <laughs> I feel like man, a real parent right now. You should, you should have just bitten the bullet and got like a colander from the kitchen and said, okay, <laughs> your life is over now, colander. This is your last, this is your last task. And then you go in the bin and then replaced. <laughs> well, I think my wife, she was saying I should just like pull the plug, but I'm like, you know, it's going to just stink the whole drain and everything like that. Like, I'm, I'm so glad I actually didn't do that. 
So, yeah, it is what it is. I don't know, maybe having dogs and constantly cleaning up after them, it's just like one step further, so it didn't bother me as much as maybe it should have been. Far out, it was like, it was. Fe- I was fearing this day, and then it actually happened. I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> yeah, I I can't relate. I can't relate. <laughs> oh, you don't want to relate. <laughs> All right. Well, the the most natural segue in history of man. Uh, let's get into let's get into the big 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 news this week. So Sony Sony had their PlayStation Five showcase this week. And, you know, I think everyone felt like this was going to happen, but yes, they did. They revealed the PlayStation 5 price, uh, pre-order details, sort of, uh, the release date, lots of games, and, you know, lots of other stuff that's around the PlayStation 5 ecosystem, which is really exciting. So, as we normally do, we uh, tackle the biggest thing that happened in the event, uh, and I think the biggest thing is really the price of the system. So... It does come in, the, the full-fledged disc model, so just the PlayStation 5, they're referring to it, is 500 US dollars, 750 Australian dollars, which is exactly the same as the Xbox Series X. Uh, and the digital edition, which is like, to me, not that I would ever get the digital edition, but I was super fascinated to see what they were going to price it at. Uh, and they priced it at US $400 and Australian $600. And uh, they're both coming out in Australia, US, and other territories like that, Japan in the 12th of November and then the week after in the rest of the world. So we're quite lucky actually in Australia to be getting it on launch day. Um, so yeah, like what, what were you, what were your thoughts around the price? Did it surprise you? Did you hope for more or less? What, what were your thoughts? Well, I guess my thoughts on this are very different than the Xbox because I'm, I'm going to buy into the Xbox ecosystem, you know, continue to do that just because I'm oh. an achievement whore. But. See, okay, like you've almost, you've almost, you know, like I, sh- I should have written something. I-, I wanted to like get your thoughts on like, is this whole package and some other stuff that they revealed, you know, attracting you to this ecosystem? But it sounds like you're just like locked in, you're bolted into Xbox. You're not going to move. Well, I have, I have a, a complex where I need to, to hunt for things that mean have no value and they just pop up and they give me some kind of dopamine hit whenever it does. So, well, yes, well, because I'll I'm an achievement you... whore, I need to stay with the Xbox system. Well, well I'll I... introduce you to a new uh, addiction, trophies, <laughs> and there's a whole range that you can get. <laughs> but similar to um, how I've done in the past, what I'll probably do is I'll probably end up picking up um, the previous generation PlayStation and catching up on a bunch of those games. So that's the way that I've kind of worked in the past with that. But when it comes to the pricing of the PS5 um, and the, digi- the digital edition as well, the I mean, it's I was kind of expecting them to you know be pretty close to Xbox. So I don't know why I was expecting them to maybe be slightly more, but the fact that they match them uh, on the you know the the top level uh, mm. skew is 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 interesting. The digital edition, I think a lot of people were expecting that to mainly only be, let's say, in US dollars, like $50 less or something. The fact yeah. that it's $100 less is pretty crazy because from what I know, the only difference between the two systems is the lack of disk drive. Yeah. So, look, and, you know, I wanted to speak about this prior to the prices coming out. And I think if the podcast had been running longer, we would have already covered this. But, you know, for me, it didn't shock me at all. And if anything, I was expecting that or even more of a discount. And you just got to think about it from a business sense, right? Like ultimately the attachment rate on these kind of consoles is, you know, like just ballpark, like six games per console. 
And and for Sony and for Microsoft, if they are getting purchases on digital, the amount of money that they make on that versus physical is just like magnitudes apart. Um, so for them, like in the wash, like actually discounting the console, even another 50, 60, 70 bucks, because let's be real, like the, the disc does not cost that much. Like the disc drive, like it's probably, you know, I don't know, like a $20, you know, difference in terms of how much it's costing them for a component. Probably not even that, but let's just even be generous and say 20, but driving people down a purely digital route where, you know, they have to engage with the PlayStation store or the Xbox store to get like titles and they're getting that sweet 30% off every single title, including, you know, if they're new to the system, okay, buying all those games. So they're not taking advantage of used game prices or, you know, other ways to get games cheap, they're going to make all the money back really, really quickly. Like if not more, you know? Yeah. Just from what we'd heard um, across the last, let's say six, seven months about the cost of the components for the PS5 being quite troublesome for them um, Mm. and trying to drive that price down. I still surprised that it's a hundred dollars less. Like I I don't know. I think it was always going to be a differential of about a hundred bucks at least. It's whether a lot of people, you know, your point around the top end. A lot of yeah, a lot of people were thinking that it was probably going to be a less of a a gap between them. That's all, nah. and so that. Well, I I kind of understand where they're coming from because the core components outside of the the disc drive are apparently the same. So if the yeah, but you don't problem... you don't price things on components. That's you don't price you price it on perception. You price it on what you can make in the long run. You don't, yeah, you I don't know. just I'm go, still... that component costs $10, so I'll charge a 30% premium on that component. That's almost like irrelevant. Yeah, I'm still surprised by it though. Like it doesn't doesn't matter because mm. I've been listening to this dis- discussions around this for a long time and a lot of people were actually like, I wasn't, I didn't come to that, that kind of thought myself. It was actually based on what I'd heard a lot of people saying about it. And it just still surprised me. Like it, when it comes to the, the Xbox Series S and Series X, no surprise there at all. Even though uh, two ninety nine US is still probably maybe slightly lower than what I was expecting, but it was you know understandable there definitely. Um, but just because we'd heard so much hullabaloo about the troubles that they had had, now we know that since that started happening, that a lot of regions um, with the pandemic started things started to ease up and manufacturing started to pick back up again and things like that. Like if it didn't, we wouldn't be in a situation to launch consoles anyway, probably. But it I'd still it still surprises me that there is that much difference. But I do understand what you're saying. Um when you're talking about price points, it is it's not just about uh how much are we making back, how much profit or the break even, whatever it is about how much how much we can sell and what we can sell it for. But mm. it is still it is still surprising. If anything, um May maybe the the fact that the the top level one is it matches the Xbox is is maybe the thing that's probably a bit more surprising than based on that I guess those industry um, murmurs back then because mm. you know I wouldn't have been surprised if US that would have been you know like I don't I don't know if they ever do like a, a nice clear like let's say five fifty or something or if it's normally like five forty nine or some crap like that but. Uh, I could see them getting away with a slightly higher bump than Xbox, uh, just simply because people people generally, you know, Sony has a lot has a very big user base, and they're willing to sometimes spend a little bit more because they know it's a PlayStation, you know. But yeah, and I think they genuinely, it. They yeah, I think genuinely the DualSense 
has got a lot of tech in it, like probably a little bit like uh, the Joy-Cons. So I think genuinely that, that part is more expensive for them. Like they've even, you know, Jim Ryan, the CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, you know, he's sort of said, hey, a lot of the budget kind of went to getting that right um, and, and sort of, you know, focusing in on that and to the exclusion of other things that they wanted to do. Um, look, I, I don't know, like whenever I heard, you know, a lot of industry pundits talk about a $50 price differential, I really thought it was really naive. Like a lot of it was, I think, based on when Xbox um, or Microsoft released the Xbox One S all digital edition, you know, the sad edition. Um, hmm. they, they released that with a $50 price differential. I think that's a totally different situation economically because they're releasing that product, you know, also for people who already have an Xbox One and just go, you know what, I've got a lot of games in my digital library. I just want to get across, you know, to the next revision without, you know, spending a huge amount of money. So I, I don't think, and it's also like well into the cycle. So they're not going to be able to capitalize on a lot of the game sales from a digital perspective. So I don't know, whenever I saw that and I heard people talk about, oh, the component costs this amount, so that much premium, I'm just like, that is not how you price things in business. Like, you know, like you, you need to look at what the market can sustain. Like it, mm. it almost doesn't matter if a component costs one cent, if you can sell it for a premium of $10. That's what you do. That's capitalism. That's how it works. Um, so yeah, I, like that part didn't it... surprise me, but just going back to what you were saying, I would not have been surprised if they said it was five fifty, and the yeah, digital yeah. edition was four fifty. Like that would have, I was almost expecting that. Like, and maybe people get very annoyed with it. Um, but you know, I think one thing that Jim Ryan did say recently was they pretty much locked in 500 us dollars and pretty much worked backwards from that. So I mean, maybe that's also a reason why it's not as powerful sort of, you know, in raw numbers as, as the Xbox series X. Yeah. It's the thing interesting, and this is not definitely not news this week, but the fact that both of these consoles are going so hard on, on having that non-digital option as well. Mm. Like this is truly like, it was obviously already on its last legs, but just the, the retail industry, like physical sales, where this is essentially like it, this is the generation where it dies hundred percent because, like you'll oh, still have. I don't, know. I don't know. I I, I reckon it will be um, by the end mm. of this generation. Essentially, I think we'll be past that. Not to say there won't be ever physical, but I think as um, not so much something in Australia like JB Hi-Fi where they've got you know it's one part of their their offering. I'm talking about yeah. the standalone game stores. That's what I'm. Talking yeah, dedicated about. ones. Yeah. Yeah. And like obviously, we're seeing the news about EB game. Uh, sorry, um, GameStop. Uh, GameStop game game yeah. stop. Yeah, um, so which is you know the equivalent over in the US, just like the amount of new stores, and they've got obviously a lot more problems going on. Um, but it's like it's just a it's a clear narrative for them, um, which is, which is unfortunate in some ways, but it's just you know the nature of how things have gone, and it's as mm. we've talked about it before. It's happened to movies, you know, happened to music before yeah. then. And so it's just a natural progression. Well, and you look at PC games, like when I built my PC, it doesn't even have a DVD player or anything. Same, like the case same. doesn't even support that. <laughs> like there's not, I, I don't even know. I haven't really looked at the case properly, but I don't think, yeah, I can even put one in, in this case. <laughs> so, you know, and look, I don't really lament that, but for whatever reason, video games to me, the physical element of it is like integral. And 
I almost always prefer buying physical, like over digital. And yeah, I don't know. I don't see it ending in the next generation. Definitely the one after that, they won't have discs or anything physical at all. Uh, I'm, talk- um, I'm talking but- standalone outlets, I think by the end of generation, but not the like the multi-department ones. Oh, no, no, I'm talking about the actual consoles. So, like, the PS6 and the Xbox, whatever bizarre name they give the next generation if they make that generation. Xbox like, 2. I, I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like they'd still have a disc drive. But you know what? Maybe what they'll do is they'll just have an optional add-on for the console to play discs or something weird like that. Who knows? Mm. But let's, you know, that's, like, seven years from now. <laughs> just, just going back to this, like, I genuinely think the Series S the xbox is so compelling in the u.s and it annoys me in australia that if you do the conversion so you just basically take you know the u.s price you have to add gst people who don't do that is stupid like they don't have sales tax in the pricing in america so you do pay sales tax depending on your state in america so you have to add gst on it so once you take a u.s price add gst convert it to australian dollars the series x ps5 and ps5 digital are all like basically priced in with no margin which is pretty pretty good right for australian context whereas the series s it's an extra 50 dollars that they've added on to it so if you just translate the raw numbers it should be 450 australian but it's 500 and to me in australia 500 for an xbox series s which is like underpowered versus a playstation 5 digital for 600 that's just like a no-brainer like i don't know like i get you know if you're in the microsoft ecosystem if you're in the sony ecosystem it probably won't matter to you as much maybe but i don't know i look at it and i'm like that's just i feel like a misstep you know 450 is just such a more attractive number than 500 especially when it's close to that 600 dollars figure on the playstation 5 digital Oh, look, I agree, but I think the Series S is almost like it. the The audience for that is so different than any of the other three. Like, mm. I see the other three as you know, obviously the Series X and the then the top level PS Five. I've got to think of a better way to say that. Just the PS Five. Yeah, it's um, just called the PS Five, which I actually yeah. like that they've done that. Oh, I know it is. I just like in my head, I'm like, how am I saying this? But yeah, the PS5 and the Series X, like they're, you know, to me, they are essentially the same audience in many ways with slight differences. The digital, the PS5 digital is slightly different on, you know, a bit of an offshoot on that. But the Series S to me is, it's, is really targeting a different thing. But I completely understand, um, like, there's people that are just in a situation, what console am I going to buy for Christmas for, for the kids? Yeah. You know, and at that point, it is, you know, like, they there is a comparison to be made. I think that, you know, these are launch prices. So I I think it'll be interesting to see where the pricing is at, let's say, in 18 months or so um, or two years because I think at that point it'll kind of, you know, the there's, there's a long <laughs> there's a long way to go till then, but I think then things will be probably a bit clearer about where the, the pricing falls, you know, for the, I guess, for the mm. rest of the generation. And look, they've taken very distinct strategies. Like, the PlayStation 5 digital versus PlayStation 5 it is literally the same except a disk drive, whereas the Series S mm. and the Series X, as we said last week, it's significantly underpowered. Now, targeting almost like a different resolution, which I think is a really cool way to think of it. It's just, hey, if you're look, if you're playing on like a 1080p setup or a 1440p setup, you don't kind of need the Series X, in my opinion, outside of the disk drive. 
Um, so it is a it is interesting to me that there are different strategies. I just I don't know. It, it really I know it sounds trivial to say like fifty bucks, but to me that fifty bucks difference has kind of put me off the Series S because I might have eventually got a PlayStation Five and then maybe had a Series S on the side, you know, um, just to unlock Game Pass and everything like that. But yeah, being five hundred versus four fifty, it just I don't know. It's very unappealing the way they structured all- it. But it also depends on what you're getting it for, because you've talked about, oh, well, the Series S might be a Game Pass machine, and at that at that yeah. point, you're going to quickly make up the $50 on what you would have purchased yeah, but, outright on the other console. Well, I, I shouldn't have to make up the $50. Like, they've they've added that in as a tax, you know? I know, I know I that, like. but I'm, I'm just trying to find, you know, like, I'm not trying to convince you because I honestly, you know, it is what it is. It's more, I think that, in the in the long term scheme of things, like fifty dollars isn't isn't probably going to make a huge difference. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying, and I mean, it sounds like we've already revealed our hands, but you're you're not interested at all in the PS5 or PS5 digital. It sounds no, only because I'm just weird, and I generally always kind of I've always been that with PlayStation ever since the first one, um, where I will always get into it like a generation late, and I'm a yeah. bit late on that when it comes to um, the PS3, definitely. Um, but when it came to PS1, PS2, that's exactly the way I did it. The way that I also filled in the gap about the Final Fantasy games that I hadn't played and, um, mm. you know, a lot of the, the big hitters like Metal Gear Solid games that, you know, um, hadn't made it at that point to any other consoles. Um, and it's it's a bit different now, I think, because we're seeing a lot of this stuff get re-released and there's backwards compatibility and things like that. But there's still a whole bunch of PS3 and definitely PS4 games that I haven't played that I still plan on playing. Um, but so that's the way I'll be doing it. And given that they announced essentially, um, you know, we, we do have at some point at a, at a note here, probably in the next section, um, the whole backwards compatibility thing, it doesn't really make sense for me to get a PS5 if I'm planning to play those older games anyway, so... Well, I'd almost argue the opposite, which is like, it doesn't almost make any sense to get a PS4, because if you get a PS5, then you'll be able to play all the PS4 games practically. And No, so I'm looking, to play PS- I'm looking to play PS3 games. Well, you know, you can't play PS3 games on a PS4. Yeah, that's, that's why I'll be getting a PS3. That's what I'm saying. I'm actually <laughs> late on that. So we'll, we'll chat in ten years when you get a PS5. Um, yeah, well, but that's the point. The is generations. I said like I'm catching up by that, and that's why you know <laughs> if if the PS5 was back to the PS3, and that's honestly probably a pretty easy decision to make. Maybe not right away, but it's. I'm just the kind of person like I love playing older games. I don't yeah, have same. very with very few. Uh, exceptions i don't have that like jarring oh this game looks and plays really outdated um and that's just me so i'm I'm cool to go back and play especially you know you're talking rpgs like a lot of that stuff is turn-based and things so it doesn't really matter as much if the, c- the camera's not great but um yeah. but can i ask uh Intergot, say i wanted a ps5 how how would i currently go about getting myself one you'd have to tune into our twitter feed because uh i've been blasting links where available <laughs> it has been a shit show <laughs> to put it simply <laughs> like in australia and in the u.s as well like in the u.s i think it's even worse in australia i like i think the australian way is kind of like we just expect it to come out randomly and i don't know why but i think it's just you know a lot of the uh marketing hubs for these companies don't have a huge presence in australia 
So, you know, Nintendo is really just a sales distribution channel in Australia. Like, there isn't really a big staff there. So, you know, if they kind of go, oh, hey, it's on pre-order now, everyone in Australia just goes, oh, yeah, okay, and just scrambles. And it was a nightmare. But in the US, it was shocking because Sony actually said, don't worry about it, it's going on pre-order tomorrow. And a lot of people just said, all right, I've got other things to do. And then randomly, almost all the retailers put it up for pre-order. And it got sold out. So that was in the US, which I think was way worse. But even in Australia, yeah, like it it went up. Like I shot out the links to some mates. One of our mates uh, ordered a PS5. And then, yeah, just like got sold out within, it felt like 10 minutes, not even potentially. So from what I heard, the so they had the showcase and they didn't mention anything about pre-orders in the showcase. But right after the showcase, Correct. the news about that date pretty much first came from Jeff Keighley. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, more from the US, but it, like that, yeah, he was yeah. interviewing uh, the head of marketing for Sony, like Sony Interactive Entertainment. But I, whenever I say Sony, I mean the subdivision where they look after PlayStation. Um, and they said, yeah, don't worry about it. It will be on sale tomorrow. I mean, it kind of does give you the context that as powerful as companies are like Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft, the retailers do their own thing, you know, and there's no control over them saying, don't do that. So, yeah, you're kind of burning a bit of a relationship there, but I think it becomes a bit of a, hey, we just want to sell out our allocation. You know, who knows if it will sell out, COVID, et cetera. So I think some of them just pulled the trigger and then, you know, as, as soon as one breaks that date, like they all just go stuff it. Like we're going to do it as well. Um, and so we I know- think that, that was bad. That was bad because people didn't do- expect it. So people are really annoyed about it fairly, I'd say. Do we know whatever happened with the whole... Register for a chance at pre-order via PlayStation <laughs> directly. I think they're still doing that. It's really weird. Um, you know what? It's been funny, hasn't it? Because there's been a lot of pre-orders in the last few weeks for lots of different products. Like we would have had, yeah. you know, not that we have spoken about it, but the NVIDIA uh, 3080 series of graphics card, they have had crazy pre-order things. Uh, you know, Game & Watch, that ran out really quickly. So, yeah, and, and with the Australian one, like what I would say to people is, you know, also focusing on, you know, the small, not smaller, but the players that don't pay as much attention. So the targets and big W's, a lot of the times, I don't know, they're just very haphazard and they, they like launch their pre-orders and then it runs out and then they, they, I don't know, find new allocations or new stock and then they'll update it. So I even posted on Twitter yesterday, Hey, big W, you can pre-order it again. And like people just aren't aware of it because you know, they don't make a big hullabaloo about it. And it's, you know, like things like EB Games, JB Hi-Fi, they get all the attention. And, you know, EB Games, so that's like the GameStop for us in Australia, they sold out on the launch day PS5s. Then they sold out on all the 2020 PS5s. Then they started selling 2021 due PS5s. And then now oh, they've just said, that's ridiculous. we're not taking that's any more pre-orders. Because they, they, I think they realized that it's going to be like three months before people can get their PS5. <laughs> A pay a twenty twenty one. Um <laughs> oh, oh actually I guess when I think about it, it's only two months. Yeah, but Well and man. that's the bizarre thing about this whole thing, right? Because normally we would hear this news at latest, say June, like E three, and you know, for November launches and the new consoles. But this has just been an odd year and it's been pushed back so much that yeah, it was it's such a quick turnaround time. 
Um, but yeah, look, look, like, you know, follow, follow us on our socials. I'll always post it out as quick as possible. I think also outlets like Press Start in Australia, they're pretty good at like getting the word out quite quickly. Um, and you know, you've seen a lot of odd behavior. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard of the video game, uh, store, the gamesman. It's like yeah. a new South yeah. Wales based one. Yep. So they've know. got an awesome store. Like I love their store. They have like a retro museum and it's, you got to like, when you're up in Sydney next time, we'll go visit it. It's really, really cool, man. Like it's a really cool place. Like they're genuinely passionate about games. I really like them. Um, but they, <laughs> I thought this was a bit dodgy. You know, fair enough, it's capitalism, they can do what they want. It's nothing illegal what they did, but they had pre-orders. But what they did was, when you pre-ordered, it was like a PS5 plus an extra DualSense controller. Or like a PS5 plus a DualSense controller and like a VR camera or whatever it is. Like, you know, the the streaming camera that they're releasing Mm. for the PS5. You couldn't just order the PS5 by itself. Yeah, I... I mean, that sounds like it shouldn't be allowed, but I'm sure they've got the ability to do that. <laughs> well, they're allowed to do it, but it's just, it doesn't, like, you know, given how desperate people are, I get it from a business sense, but, you know, I think you get a lot of bad press if you do that kind of stuff. And people were very, very annoyed uh, with them. So, yeah. And uh, like I said, you know, just, you know, keep an eye out. Like, I think Press Start's pretty good. I'll keep tweeting on about it, but, you know, Big W seems to, have stock like it seems to come back the other thing i'd recommend is just go in person to like a jb hi-fi or a big w or a target and talk to the manager there because they often can sort of work something out for you like you know think outside the box a little bit there obviously in melbourne you can't do that at the moment which is unfortunate um and one thing i would really warn people is with harvey norman be careful about pre-ordering from them because they have a very long and infamous history of like over allocating and then just cancelling people and they cancel it on the day they people go to collect it. So people have been really annoyed about that, especially with limited items that you can't get again. So I I just completely avoid them and I wouldn't even use them as a backup um, because I just don't trust it. Uh, And just moving on to related news. So this was also revealed in the showcase and like, I thought this was like super, super clever. Uh, Sony revealed the PlayStation plus collection. So, you know, one of the questions that people had, so with PlayStation Plus, you get, you know, it used to be, you know, a PlayStation 4 game, PlayStation 3 game, PlayStation Vita game, and then it evolved just a PlayStation 4 game, usually one or two. Uh, recent ones have been really good. You've had Street Fighter Five, Fall Guys, stuff like that. That's awesome. But then, you know, the question became, what are they going to do with PlayStation 5? Are they going to release a game for free? Like one of the launch titles, are they going to make it free? Like how are they going to manage that? So what they've done is they've actually said that uh, 18, and I would actually say 18 of the best PlayStation 4 games are going to be available through backwards compatibility at launch of the PS5. And just to be clear, this is only on the PS5 with PlayStation Plus. So you can't get PlayStation Plus for the PS4 and then unlock these 18 games. It's, you know, just on the PlayStation 5. Uh, you know, we'll cover all the titles in the bargain bin, but, you know, these are the Gods of the War, Last of Us Remastered, Monster Hunter World, which is thematic for this episode, PlayStation, uh, Persona 5, like really huge heavy hitters. Um, it, it's still not clear, and I've done like a, a lot of research on it. It's really not clear if this is a, you know, they're going to allow this for the first month or year or six months or permanently, like how that actually works. 
because the way it works with PlayStation Plus is if you don't unlock the games in that month that they're available, they go away, which is, you know, similar to a uh, Xbox game with gold. So that's kind of up in the air. You know, I wouldn't imagine they would only allow like a one month or two month window because I think that would really piss people off who weren't able to get the console. But, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if they made it so, you know, to, to unlock this, you needed to get the console in, say, before March or something like that uh, to unlock it. So I'm sure more details will come out shortly. Um, the other interesting thing on this is, you know, Jim Ryan, again, the CEO of Sony, uh, was really clear that this is not going to become Game Pass. Because a lot of people are already saying, oh, this is PlayStation's Game Pass. You know, they've said, hey, this doesn't make sense. The eco- It's also a bit of a swipe at Microsoft. The economics of Game Pass don't stack up. Uh, and this is really just a way to celebrate the PlayStation 4 library. And, you know, especially people who are new to PlayStation, you know, hey, here's like 18 great games that you can start with. And then all the launch titles that are coming out. So what, what did you think of this? Well, first of all, I really want to play that game called The Gods of War. That sounds great. <laughs> no, I, me- I meant to say it in terms of The Gods of War, like those type of like heavy hitters. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> I look, this is, this is great, um, especially for anyone that's picking up um, something, the, game, uh, the system at launch, it gives them a whole bunch of stuff to play because we know that a lot of launch titles, you know, whether or not it's Deathloop or other games, just, you know, Honestly, both really? consoles have kind of a bit of a weak lineup, especially Xbox. Oh, yeah. So this is, this is great. And the thing that surprised me the most is the fact that you've got some pretty prominent third-party uh, big hitters. So whether or not it's Monster Hunter World or Persona 5. Yeah. Um, they're the things that surprised me because when they started showing off all this first-party Sony stuff, it's like, okay, that makes sense. Cool. They've got the you know the ability to do what they want with that, this stuff, and then suddenly they show those. And they even had, I think, Arkham Knight in there, which interestingly left Game Pass like uh, mm. a month ago or something like that. So it was, it was really, yeah, I think it's great. Um, it'll be interesting to see, as you've mentioned, um, what happens with this service, um, if it is something that's limited or not. Um, I really hope that it is something that, you know, kind of doesn't exclude the people that weren't able to get something right at launch because the pre we've already gone through the whole pre-order debacle. Um, so if it is very limited, let's say, for the first three months, but people can't get a hold of one for three months because of all these issues, it kind of sucks for that. But, hey, it's it's a, it's a nice addition, especially considering it's not something that you have to pay more for uh, if you've already got PlayStation Plus, which not everyone does have. Um it's, I think it's great. Yeah. Like, so I, you know, if I was to predict it, I am almost certain it's going to be limited. Um, and I think your point is very accurate that, you know, Sony keeps denying this, but it just seems like they are not able to produce as much stock as they would want to. Um, you know, they kind of said the other day that it's, they, they have more stock available than they did for the PlayStation 3, I think. or I don't think they were saying PlayStation 4. I think they were actually saying PlayStation 3, but it might have been PlayStation 4. But look, I, you know, they don't seem to be able to be able to keep up with demand. And the fact that even EB Games in Australia, who actually are pretty good with giving you an insight as to how much stock there really is out there. You know, the fact that they're running out of their 2021 allocation early 2021 shows that like there's not enough stock for the demand. Um, so I, I think if they felt confident that everyone could get one within the first, say three months, then they probably would have given it an end date of say the end of March, but you know, they don't want to get that backlash. So I think they're holding off and waiting to see, you know, 
supply versus demand. And, you know, once it gets to a level where it's fair, maybe in December they'll come out and say, actually, like, this is going to run out in April or June or even March again. Um, I, I can't imagine a world where that this will be permanent. Like, those licenses are just, wait, like, you know, the Monster Hunter worlds, you know, like, that's Capcom's biggest game ever. Like, including Street Fighter, Resident Evil, all these games. Like, there's no way mm. that they'll allow that to be free permanently as part of uh, PlayStation Plus. Like, it just doesn't make sense. So, yeah, it's a great incentive. And, you know, the, the thing that I wanted to ask you in this segment was really, like, is something like this compelling to you? Because, like, a lot of these games are the exact games that you haven't played because you're not in that Sony ecosystem. And it's sort of like, hey, here's 18 games. And pretty much... I can imagine a world where you play, you know, 15 of the 18, like, uh, you know, excluding the ones that you would have already played because it was cross-gen, but, you know, like, is that something that makes you go, oh, okay, Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting, or you're just so bolted on with the achievements, you can't move? Yeah, well, that's less about, in this case, about the achievements, like, that's obviously a reason for me to stick with the Microsoft ecosystem, but I... I've mentioned before that I, there's, I'm I'm still looking at the previous generation games that I still like to catch up on, especially when we're talking like about something PS3. like an Uncharted. Yeah, and I know that yeah. some of those things are Uncharted have done the collections on PS4 and things anyway, which are probably the best ways to play them. But it's you know I still I still want to play through God of War three before I ever get to the the remade or you know the I guess the rebooted God of War and things like that. Yeah, and it's I think for me I don't have a problem buying these games but i think for people that didn't have as you know like uh you know that i guess had to you know i'm not made of money but like i'm not seriously having to budget my game purchases like a lot of people mm. will unfortunately have to and it makes sense for those people from a price standpoint 100 percent mm. um i'm just you know if 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 xbox didn't have game pass then it would probably be a lot more of an incentive because game pass just there's still so many games there that i'm sitting at looking oh man i'll download that download that download that now the you know like the yakuza games are adding all those into that and there's just a whole yeah. bunch of games that i haven't played in my own backlog of you know whether it's physical i think i think i've got something like 100 sealed 360 games that i've never touched and things like that and it's like oh man you know when am i ever going to get to these <laughs> like i'm probably going to sell resell most of them but there's just so many games so for me if it wasn't for that um it would be compelling, but I think it's great for majority of people, though. You know, I'm yeah. not downplaying. It. It's more just my personal situation. And look, there's definitely some of there, like Persona Five. Um, I'm I'm still holding out some hope that they may, um, you know, eventually do some switch ports there. But if anything, Persona Five um, will probably hit Steam at some point, like uh, Persona Four. I think it's Persona Four, or as Persona Three recently hit Steam, one of the two. Yeah, Persona um, Four Golden. Yeah, so I'm, you know, I've got a PC that I'm not using enough for games, so there's chances there. And who knows, maybe they'll start porting some of these uh, titles, just like they have Horizon to PC. So maybe that's a way for me to play some of them as well. So. Yeah. Well, well, why don't we get into the games then? Yes. So we'll run through maybe more like the highlights of the games. There's a lot more games that were discussed or brought into the showcase um, they either just don't appeal to us, e.g. Five Nights at Freddy's or Fortnite, um, and, and probably focus more on the games that we haven't heard much about. And a lot of them rumoured, uh, and some not so much, but uh, you know, finally confirmed in this. And starting from probably one of the 
the ones that have been rumored and sort of like felt like a lot of trouble development, a lot of, you know, intrigue around it. Um, and now we know as Hogwarts Legacy, which, you know, for me, I'm not a fan of that name at all. <laughs> I don't know what you think of the name. Oh, well, name's fine to me. Um, I, okay, okay. Well, we'll get into my my thoughts about it in a second. Yeah, so like uh, this is a very long rumored game and, you know, screenshots or like videos of it supposedly had been leaked previously. So this is set in the Harry Potter universe. I don't like how people are calling it a prequel to Harry Potter. I mean, it's set in that universe and it's set in the 1800s. And I'm not very familiar with the Harry Potter book series, uh, but to me, it sort of didn't feel like a prequel to it. Just felt like it was set into that universe uh, and it's trying to tell its own story and hence why like the whole 1800s setting coming out in 2021 and probably the other thing to just sort of call out in this is, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, controversy around J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter series. And, you know, the developer and the uh, publishers have come out very strongly saying, you know, we don't support those sort of statements. And also she isn't involved at all in this game. Um, but I do feel really bad for whether you agree or not about the comments by the author I just feel bad that, you know, people who are making this game, like more the developers, artists, all these people, it's like coloring this game. And there's a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, we should boycott this game. And yeah, I just kind of feel a bit bad for those folk who are working so hard on this game, which it does look cool. It's not necessarily the most appealing thing to me, but it does look like a really cool game. Yeah. And on that, I mean, we know that at some point the money will flow through to her so the fact that them saying oh yeah it will yeah that she's not involved i mean that's like they're not going to sit there saying oh but there's a certain contract arrangement with i know they're not going to say that but you know keep that in mind that you know she will still be benefiting from you purchasing this game potentially for Um, sure for sure but when it comes to this game look um I'd say the trailer was pretty impressive. Uh, the mm. thing for me is that I've just had very little interest in anything Harry Potter ever. Um, I've only ever seen the first three, sorry, first four films, never read any of the books. Um, I think that whole craze, I think I was just like, you know, maybe just five, six years too old for that to probably yeah. hit in the in the right spot. Um, and I know oh, a lot of adults. Were. A lot of we adults are obviously were. love reading those books and, and it appeals to a wider audience. And I quite like the third and fourth films. But um, the thing that actually interests me is the fact that Avalanche Studios, uh, sorry, Avalanche Software are working on this because I actually really, really enjoyed their um, Toy Story 3 game, which was, uh, I think, 2010. And that was actually a really well-received game at the time. But actually looking at Avalanche Software, I can't believe they worked on a 64 game in 97 called... Mortal Kombat Mythology Sub Zero, which is oh. which is the play, oh. uh, to clarify the sixty four version. Midway worked on the PlayStation version. I'm just like, wow, I didn't know that. Hmm, I don't know how I feel about that, but uh, it's that I, is a horrible. I love game. those old. I love those old days. Like they'd never do it anymore. But where they get different development studios to work on the same game, but like on different systems. So like That's a Genesis not- game and a Super Nintendo game. Uh, yeah, it still happens, but you don't see the differences between them like we used No, no, to. no, but it's not... You're talking about ports. I'm not talking about ports. I'm talking about they make... It's like they're making the game from scratch. And I know, just coming I up know, with their own ideas. It's like bizarre. But the no, reason I'm saying was, that... Um, the reason I'm saying that know. still happens because we saw it a lot with um, the, the, 
the Wii and um, like the 3DS and stuff. Like there were cases True. where they were essentially creating different versions of the same game, but okay, not that, as much that, as we used to. That's a fair point. Yeah, that's a fair point. Like where, you know, especially with 3DS and DS, where mm. those systems are so big that there was a lot of games that had a DS or 3DS version that, you know, was actually a pretty different game. <laughs> like yeah. some were even 2D games when the base game was the 3D game. So completely different. So yeah, no, like it's an interesting game. Like, and I think people are not understanding how big this game is. Like this is going to be a smash hit, this game. Hmm. Like if it's at all decent, like in terms of how it plays, I feel like this game is going to be so massive. But the uh, the big thing that I want to talk about is was, the next uh, one, Final Fantasy was, 16. What they opened with, Final Fantasy 16. So yeah. this I was is pumped definitely, for you when I saw this. <laughs> it's de- definite, uh, definitely rumoured, um, but I don't think anyone expected it to be announced in this showcase. Um, but it, you know when you say rumoured, like people didn't know what the setting was or anything, right? So, I mean... <sighs> Blind Freddy could tell you there's going to be Final Fantasy 16. Come on. Oh, no, but rumoured that we would hear something about it soon is what I'd mm. talk Because we'd heard some okay. uh, comments from, like, the producer and things like that about what the next game was going to, you know, things okay, like that. Okay, fair enough. Relatively recent. But this uh, this trailer, you know, it opens up. You're like, okay, it's Final Fantasy straight away. There's so many things yeah, about yeah, it. And yeah. obviously then it comes with the Chocobo and it, it's confirmed. But it one, <laughs> one thing that immediately hit me about this um, was... Obviously, the setting is very different than the, than the recent Final Fantasy games. It is essentially going back to probably, I'd say, a Final Fantasy VI... No, actually, probably before Final Fantasy uh, IV and V level of, I guess, technology in the world, from what it seems. Yeah, like steampunky. Um, well, no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, not even VI. VI had kind of those elements, and it, we don't really see much of that in this. If anything, that what the trailer mm. actually reminded me heaps of was... Um, specifically the first episode of game of thrones there was so much to it oh. that really like i don't know if you remember the first episode but there's like they're in castle black in like the courtyard yeah. there were yeah, so many slow. shots in this yeah yeah so many shots in this trailer were in, in the similar looking courtyard and then they're in like those big <laughs> town halls like you know with the tables and i'm like man this is like this is like final fantasy meets uh game of thrones in some way and it was really cool but i will say that there's a few things that really put me off about this Oh, and okay. it's not going to put off everyone, though. Um, first of all, I know why, but I'm I'm not a fan of them uh, sticking with the the character action style combat. Um, I've Final Fantasy 15. There's a lot of I love about the game, but the combat system was not one of them. Um, they did improve it, though. I will say that from to the Royal Edition, um, from mm. the base game, it was pretty rough. The Royal Edition added a lot more also made the party members a lot more unique with their own, um, I guess, combat mechanics. But it's not what I'm looking for for a Final Fantasy game, and I don't know if we're ever going to go back. It's it's such a shame, but I understand that, you know, it, it, it's a lot more accessible to people if they can press a button and the character does something immediately and it feels responsive. I just, I do miss the... Even the ones that are kind of get a, I guess, a bit of a hybrid systems, whether it's thirteen or or uh, twelve, um, and ten is my favourite system from you know battle system from the whole series. But yeah. that's the one thing that kind of did disappoint me. Um, and the other thing was, um, I'm always like the Final Fantasy games have always almost been the graphical benchmarks of, oh, this whole, oh, that looks next gen. You know, when we, when we first saw Final Fantasy 10, mm. it's like, oh my God, when we first saw Final, Final Fantasy 7, dude. 
well, seven, yeah, but like I'm I'm thinking more from PS1 to PS2, Final Fantasy X. Oh my god, when we saw Final Fantasy XIII yeah, for the first time, everyone's like, oh my god, yeah. that looks incredible. Yeah. If someone told me this game was running on a, a PS4 Pro, I wouldn't. I, I'd believe them. It didn't. Oh, there's there's a there's a nature to it, like especially when you start looking at the character models and the hair, it looks to me like just it's like I, I was so, it wasn't getting giving me that oomph that the Final Fantasy games moving to a next generation has normally given me. So just just on that right, so for me personally, the only game there's only one single game, and it's the game we're not even going to talk about. The only game that I've seen so far out of Xbox and Sony where I've gone, oh, okay, that actually looks legit like the next gen is Ratchet and Clank. And not so much yeah. just how it looks, which it does look incredible. It's like, you know, they're going, hey, this is gameplay. And look at it. It's like flipping to this area, that area. And I think that component of it feels very next gen to me where it's not like, you know, here's a long corridor so we can load assets in the background and then pop you into the world. It actually genuinely felt like, wow, they are really taking full advantage of this insanely fast SSD and building a game around that, which is like a very Nintendo-style approach. Outside of that, no game has really like blown me away that much. And I think it's also like PC gaming is so huge, it's blurring all the lines anyway for me. So I'm probably not even as familiar with like, this is the max of what a 1X can look like or a Pro, PS4 Pro. So... I get like that. That's how you feel, but for me, none of these games really like make me go, "Wow, this is like so far in advance." Like it's actually one of the sl- the smallest gaps that I can think of in any generation. So I know. Far. I'm I'm just that's usually the Final Fantasy titles moving to generation hit that, and Final Fantasy 15 mm. did as well. Um, probably to a lesser extent. This game, it does look a lot like 15 in terms of the presentation. And what my hope is, is oh, that... Oh, really? I didn't think that. That's interesting. Hmm. Oh, no, presentation in terms of, like, okay, like, how good the character models are and that. And I know that it's it's more, don't get me wrong. But what I'm hoping is that this game is likely super early in development still, or at least to the point yeah. where, you know, we know that Square Enix take their time with their games. Um I look at this and I'm more impressed by the Final Fantasy VII Remake, honestly, um, in terms of the character models and things like that. But that aside, I'm super hyped for this game. Um, I was even more super hyped when the trailer said, ooh, also for PC. And then turns out they've removed <laughs> that, scraped that, scrubbed that from all the tra- the trailers now, which is like... I know. Let's talk about you know, Demon's Souls next, the same thing with that. What a mistake to well, make. It's- Oh, what a yeah, thing to, look, look. to scrub back. That is, that's, that's shitty. That is really shitty. <laughs> no, but you know how these arrangements work. Like they do a deal with them and it's sort of, you know, and it, it's weird. You know, we're, we're getting to Demon's Souls. I hate that name. Like, cause it's just hard to say Demon's Souls next. But, you know, in general with the exclusivities, you know, they'll go, hey, it's for a year. Like, we don't even want you to say that. You can't even confirm what other consoles it's going to go on. Yeah, that's just kind of the course of business for me. No, so. this was this was super shitty because they put it in the trailer and then they scrubbed it immediately yeah, afterwards from the trailer. It's obviously an error. Two like they different, didn't mean to say that. On two different games. Correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that's... Sometimes happens in business. This Nah, dude, this, this is shitty. This is super shitty because... What's shitty about it? I don't get why you think it's shitty. What's shitty about it? 
Well, confirm that. Don't put it up in the trailer. Two different games yeah, and then have to dude, retract it immediately the same day. If you sign a contract with someone that says you can't speak about whether it's going to go on something else, which is what you do in how you draft those contracts, you have to remove it and then you can't speak about it. You've made the mistake by basically confirming it. Let's be real. Demon's Souls and Final Fantasy 16 are coming to PC, guaranteed. Like, it's going to happen, right? They've already but- put it in the trailer, right? It's just that they legally wouldn't have been able to say that because they would have written signed well, a contract. Get, get Demon's right- Souls is weird because it's actually kind of like a PlayStation IP. So uh, like that dude, one is really weird. Dude, you're giving them <laughs> too much leeway. Get that right before you put it in the trailer. I don't leeway. care. Get it right. Yeah, you're saying, oh, it's not a big deal. No, you get said leeway. Right. <laughs> no, no I get it. I get it. They made a mistake, man. They made a mistake. I don't know. I don't know why you think it's shitty. It's just like they've, they stuffed it up and they fixed it. It's usually and it's shitty obviously for people, coming to PC. It's usually shitty for people that... Well, that's the thing. It's like until they turn around and, and say it's otherwise... It's coming to PC. <laughs> yeah, I, I was... This You're not going to accidentally was, say it's coming to PC. You're not going to accidentally say that in a million years. No way. Uh, I, it's definitely coming I, to PC and they've breached some can, agreement. Can you let me finish? I... <laughs> I was super pissed off about this because it's such an easy thing to avoid doing this and yeah, suddenly you've confused not only because there's a whole bunch of people that are now gone away from watching that showcase and they haven't heard about that retraction so there's people out oh, there yeah. now thinking that oh it's coming out so i'm, I'm planning on getting this blah 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 and suddenly you've got you've misinformed people in something that was so easy to not get wrong you know yeah. it's so that's why i'm i it is a huge thing for me because like the fact that if they retracted it later I'd be like, okay, cool. They've gone. They've had discussions of blah, blah blah, and they realize no, we're actually we're going to retract that. It was the same day. Like at that point, you like just you needed more checks and balances, or someone else needed to kind of proofread what they're allowed to say. Yeah, look, like like on that point around, you know, should they have made this mistake? No. Like you know, I, I've worked on things where it's 150 page document. It's a legal document. It needs to all be correct. It's going out in public. And, you know, I literally would go through every single word, read it out loud, prove where every single sentence comes from. Like, you know, like this is not that hard. They actually don't have much text in these trailers. So it's pretty easy to get it right. Yeah. <laughs> so and even- I, I, I give you that, right? It's just, for me, I don't know, maybe it's, um, you know, wrong, but I am like 99.999% confident it's going to come to PC. And to me, like, it's almost better to know that because I think initially what they would have done is just saying it's coming as a PlayStation uh, 5 exclusive. And then, you know, people like you who are not going to get a PlayStation 5 would have been like, oh, damn, that's a bummer. But now you know it's going to come to PC. But, okay, let's talk about Dean Souls because this is well, where... Just, just one, just, I know, just like before we go on, because I just want to say a different note on Final Fantasy uh, 16. And you know how you're talking about the combat. I would I, like, and th- correct me if I'm wrong, because you are a Final Fantasy expert. But you know, like, and I know I keeps mentioning this game, Octopath Traveler. Like, I just wish that they had a spin-off Final Fantasy branded series in the Octopath Traveler engine. Like, I would play the hell out of those games. You know, like even if they just remade a lot of the old uh, Final Fantasy games, like Final Fantasy VI, in the Octopath Traveler engine. And, you know, bring back just, like, the really traditional turn-based combat. Like, I would love that. 
Yeah, it would be great. And I think that sell a decent amount, but oh, Square stacked. Square Square uh, struggle to get their their big releases out enough that they probably would have I don't know from a resource standpoint now they'd managed having more stuff yeah. out there. But um the reason okay. I wanted to get straight into Demon Souls is because we we're talking about that topic. So about the whole oh the showing up the you know it's coming to PC or whatever. The Demon Souls message was even weirder because Demon Souls is a Sony property. Yeah, that, that's weird. That's really that's weird. the one that that is like the weirder one because <laughs> oh, exclusive uh, something about other consoles. I can't remember exact wording. I wish I had it in front of me, but that's a weird one because nobody would ever expect that game to come to any other console. Um, PC maybe, but I mean the original Demon Souls never came to PC. So they are bringing a lot of things to PC though. So I think they people are. are now assuming they're going to bring things to PC. Yeah, but um, Demon Souls so. I I know so much about this game that I've never played. Right, um, same with same <laughs> You're, you're a huge Souls fan. I I am, but it's hard. It's horrible to say that and then say I haven't played probably one of the most important titles, or two of the most important titles, which is Team Souls and Bloodborne. And again, I've mentioned you know before that it's simply because I you know I'm not in that ecosystem at the moment. If they had PC yeah. ports, I definitely would play them. Um, if, if it was on Xbox, you would have played it. This, yeah. So this um. This is the remake by Blue Point, um, and remake in the truest sense of the word. It's they've done such an incredible job with the visuals in this. The the and, one thing and just just on that, you know, with Blue Point, who is going to buy Blue Point? Like, if I was Microsoft, I'd buy the hell out of Blue Point, man. Like, why are they still independent? It makes no sense to me. I have no idea. I have no idea. Because they they just do magic. Like they seem to be like in the industry you know, just by far the best porters remaster creation team out there. Like they just kill it. And maybe, you know, maybe I they can't feel they're free agents still. It's crazy. Maybe they feel that it's easier to operate in the current setup as opposed to, you know, maybe or, well, I don't know. Like that, uh, my assumption is something's working for them in that, in that arrangement. But mm. with, with Demon Soul, so I've, as I said, like I know a lot about this game, considering I've never played it. Um, and the the one thing that it, it looks amazing, I'm so glad this is happening. Um, you know, first of all, the servers aren't even live for the original Demon Souls anymore. So I think for anyone that you know wants to do the PvP and, and the co-op and everything, then you know it's great to obviously have a new version that's yeah. coming out. But what I'm really hoping is that this um, gameplay trailer, which is basically the tutorial um, of Demon Souls, was I'm hoping it, it didn't have a HUD, right? Which was obvious. Um, so that was obviously it was scripted or set up for this um, presentation. I'm just really hoping the camera was made more cinematic for this for that specific purpose because the camera is very different than mm. uh, the Souls style camera, especially Demon Souls. So that was the one thing that kind of just looked unnatural to me. Um, I'm all for change in the sense that if it if it's end up going to be, I guess, beneficial for the game overall, um, I just hope that it still has that, I guess, that feel of of the original and and uh, for people that are fans of it. But it, it looks amazing. Um, it's awesome that's a launch title uh, to me. That is the if I was getting PS5, that would be the one game I'd be buying. No doubt about it. Um, so that's awesome. And I don't know, as someone that's hasn't really dipped their toes in into GOT, um, what does this game kind of look like to you? 
in terms of what? Oh, how, what, what's the impression you're getting of this game? Oh, it looks awesome. Yeah, you know, on the camera, I read it about that prior, um, that is going to be the camera. Like, it is, they've taken a different approach, which, you know, I, like, a lot of these folk who love the Souls games, you know, and I get it, because, you know, there's certain games that I'm really into, or certain genres, like Metroidvanias, it's like, you kind of expect something, and if it's way outside of that, it can really throw you. I know a lot of people have been thrown by the Mario 3D All-Stars collection, where they've changed, they've inversed the uh, the the controls for Sunshine, and then also inversed the camera for 64. So it's like, you know, it throws people, especially if you play them a lot. Um, but outside of that, like, yeah, this is a game that I would definitely play. Like, I'm, you know, as part of the, um, some other year, <laughs> I've forgotten the, the, what am I doing? <laughs> game of some other year. Game, that's the way I got it wrong with it. Because I keep on saying in my mind, game of the some other year. So I'm trying not to say that. And I said the whole thing wrong. Game of some other year. Uh, as part of that, you know, we're going to go through Dark Souls. So I- I'm super looking forward to that. But yeah, Demon Souls, it looks really, really sick. Like, and mm. it looks, it just looks like a really great game. Like, it looks super, super polished. And it's, you know, you know, I, I'm going to bring up Mario uh, 3D All-Stars collection again. I mean, I think for a lot of people, they were hoping for a remake like this. Like, where, mm. you know, you're taking those base games and, you know, maybe throw in Odyssey's engine, also Mario Odyssey's engine and, you know build it out that way or do something like that. So, and I get that, I, you know, I, I don't think you can get away with it as much on a PS3 game and then bringing it to PS5 without absolutely remastering it. I just don't think that would fly because, you know, those games are almost trying to be a bit cutting edge in those days, but now they look a little bit dated for most people. Um, but yeah, like, so yeah, it, like to respond to your question. Yeah. It looks really cool. looks with- really, really neat. One thing I guess I didn't mention as well is what's fantastic about this is that Demon Souls was is always that underappreciated gem. Uh, it got a lot of critical claim when it came out, but it also mm. a lot of people weren't um, accustomed to you know like it pushed a lot of people back. Like there's stories you hear about um, of I forget the name of the old I guess uh, one of the Sony um, presidents maybe president of the American division uh, kind of you know almost just saying, oh, this game's horrible, blah, blah, blah. Why would we, you know, put, bring this across and things <laughs> like that? And then turning around completely on that because they're games that kind of like they immediately, like it it it, change, it changed. Uh, it, it was like a, a trendsetter at the time. Um, but yeah. it wasn't until Dark Souls that the series really picked up, I guess, the mainstream appeal. So what's great about this is that it's getting that, push um it's obviously a launch title which is always going to help because there's people wanting to get games for the new platform so it's a chance to for this game to get the recognition it deserves in uh you know with a really really pretty makeover so that's what i think is great about it yeah and it's pretty incredible the whole story with dark souls and demon souls as well like they sony had an opportunity to lock in that series and effectively not even have a dark souls available if that makes sense, like mm. the whole story of it, like they kind of ended up doing it because of just a lack of love from Sony and Sony's relative disinterest to really invest in the series, which, you know, you always look at these sliding doors moments and just imagine like Demon Souls is the equivalent of Dark Souls now. And, you know, it's a Sony only IP, like, geez, like mm. that's crazy when you think about it like that. Um, 
but yeah, yeah, like uh, I'm struggling to think of an example, but I totally get what you're saying. It's it's almost like a bit unfair to Demon Souls. Like people talk about, you know, Souls like games as if Dark Souls is the first game mm, in that yeah. kind of whole genre. And, you know, I guess off the top of my head, it's a little bit like Doom where, you know, I, I'm talking about like 93 Doom, the original Doom, where, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's a Doom killer or a Doom clone or like things that have copied Doom. But there were so many games predating Doom that pretty much had all the elements that just didn't have it in a package that clicked with people and just yeah. kind of exploded. Um, and yeah, you do feel bad for those games that were there beforehand. And it's like, well, hang on a second. They kind of did everything <laughs> that, that that one did, but maybe not as polished or, you know, just the setting wasn't quite exactly right that then clicked with people. And, you know, sometimes you make a game and then you go, and same as movies and everything. And you go, oh, there's just all these things you do a little bit differently. And once they all add up, you know, it sort of makes a bit of a masterpiece. So no, this is cool. Such like, this is so compelling, man. Like as a launch title compared to, you know, when I just kind of trying to be independent, comparing the lineup of series Xbox series X slash S and PlayStation five. And like this one is a big heavy hitter to me in terms of being a launch title. hundred percent. Which they didn't confirm in the uh, actual showcase. That's ridiculous. Why would you not put that in? Oh, it was man. super odd. I mean, like in our, well, in the next segment, we'll go through the overall thoughts on the showcase. And there's a bunch of stuff that they didn't confirm in the showcase that I think is pretty critical. And they confirmed in interviews afterwards. It's very odd, like how they did all of that. But they uh, they closed the uh, presentation off with uh, mm. essentially a logo teaser of essentially the next God of War. Um, just, and they just <laughs> had the title crazy. there. Just had the title there as Ragnarok. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, that's huge. Um, they obviously didn't have a big fancy trailer for it, but it's, I think they needed to kind of, you know, really, you know, just just push those buttons of people looking for, that. they had Final Fantasy XVI, which was a huge announcement, but it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. So they had this this second big hitter, which is the next God of War, so. Yeah, like, and it was almost like, it reminded me of uh, Metroid Prime 4 in terms oh, yeah. of just being, here's a logo. And then I saw it's a 2021. I was like, what? Like, I actually had to go back and check that. I was like, <laughs> like how's it 2021 and there's no footage or, like, anything on it? Like, I don't know. I guess maybe it's just a teaser and it's a bit of a marketing campaign. I think there are a lot of cynical people, more cynical than me, who are like, you know, this is not going to be 2021. This is going to be 2022. And they're going to push it back next year, which might happen. Um, but yeah, yeah, this was probably one of the biggest announcements in, in the, in the showcase. I'm not sure if they've ever delayed a God of War title. I could be completely wrong on that, but I think you just, in, if you, if you're skeptical of that, just, just check that, see if the, if they have a history of like delaying. I know obviously the pandemic changes everything, um, but they, it would have, you know, like the studios have had time to adjust their timelines at this point based on, you know, the fact that we've, this has been going on for over half a year now. So I don't yeah. think they would have put that there without knowing they couldn't deliver. But yeah. who knows? Who knows? Yeah. And look, it's not something that I think that they're not going to be able to deliver. It's just, you know, that's kind of a lot of people's reaction on it. So no, I think that that's, that's really sick, man. Like when you look at the lineup for the PlayStation 5 and then, yeah, you add in, a god of war a god of god of wars as i said earlier um you know that's massive because that is a genuine like 10 out of 10 potential game 
and then you've got a bunch of others that are coming out at launch as well. It, it, yeah, it, it is pretty killer. And I guess that's a good sort of, you know, segue into our overall thoughts uh, for the showcase and just, you know, confirming a bit of other news uh, that I think should have been in the showcase, but wasn't. But, you know, just as a, taking a step back at the showcase and want to get your thoughts on, you know, did you think it was an effective showcase and how did it compare to, you know, Xbox and even Nintendo's offerings of late? Oh, it was a killer showcase. You know, they any showcase where you announce the next mainline Final Fantasy game is killer because mm. that doesn't happen very often. Um, and true. then to also have some great trailers, like the Spider-Man trailer was awesome. You know, uh, the Demon Souls, we've already mentioned that, that was a great trailer as mm. well. Then to end it um, with God of War is, like, this was awesome. This was, some of these announcements were, like, hey, these are headliner E3 announcements kind of stuff, you know, yeah. in their yeah, big yeah, presentations. Yeah. So, it, it, no, it was really good. And, I mean, there's a whole, there were a bunch of other things um, that they talked about, um, interestingly, and no no Godfall in this showcase, or at least in the main <laughs> showcase, you know. It's like, I think they learned their lesson to, sometimes of that game. But that still is a I was waiting apparently. for it. That, honestly, I was waiting for it. I was like, wait, <laughs> I was going to text you because <laughs> I was watching it, and I'm like, are they going to talk about Godfall? <laughs> <laughs> it's well, like the grandma thing and the U- Ubisoft. I'd be cool uh, for them to show Godfall if they're showing something different. Like, oh, this is you actually. Yes. This is like the hub world, or this is like the story. Short. Like, what's the short, story yeah. of the game? Like, <laughs> maybe not game? that one. But the point is, like, they haven't shown us anything <laughs> else other than just here's yeah. the combat. Here's the combat. Is there anything else? Um, but yeah, we also learned some other stuff that I don't know if you're about to go through. Oh, yeah, like so like post, post showcase I, as well. Yeah, and as I said, that there were, you know, a lot of things that just seemed like they should have been in the showcase, even if they had handled it really quick. You know, the whole showcase, as you said, it started with Final Fantasy 16, and then it ran through a lot of the games, and it was back-ended by, okay, you know, we're, we know you're waiting for this, here's the price, you know, made it really clean and simple and minimalistic, here's the price, here's the release date, this is what's happening, and then, you know, here's one last thing, which was the God of War announcement. But so many of these other things, like everyone's been talking about, what are they, when are they going to confirm it or have a statement? Like number one, you know, can you play PS1, PS2, PS3 games on it? That's now being confirmed, no. And, and that's what I was alluding to earlier that uh, Jim Ryan in that interview with um, with Famitsu and a whole other outlets like uh, GameIndustry.biz and a few others is essentially just saying, you know, with all the tech that went into the DualSense and a few other things, they just kind of, from a hardware perspective, didn't have the budget to really focus in on PS1, PS2, PS3. I think for me, the biggest problem is PS3 because the architecture is so different, the whole cell architecture. It's just such a nightmare for them to try to be able to make it compatible that it then creates a gap where, you know, and they tried to do this with the PS4, they could kind of get stuff on the PS1, PS2, but not PS3. But it just feels a bit odd if you can play PS1 and PS2, but not PS3. So they've confirmed that that's not working. And then they also said that the PlayStation 5 is 99% compatible with PS4 titles. That's also really weird. I assume that that's just like some of the games that had physical devices or things that are, you know, edge cases from a PS4 perspective and they won't yeah. work. Yeah, it kind of covers them for that, you know, that 1%. There might be a game that just 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 will not work, you know, outside of the needing 
peripherals and stuff. So it covers them there. Yeah. But to say 100%, like even Microsoft's not said that, you know. Well, and that's the thing. I think maybe it's just they're trying to cover themselves from a negative article or something like that. But I think if you're 99%, you pretty much can just say you're backwards compatible with PS4. Because I think if it's just a few edge cases, people aren't really going to work up about that. It's more the, if I look at the top 100 selling games, do they work? And if they all work and there's a a quirk here or there, I don't think anyone's really going to be fussed about it. But they've almost made it seem like it's not compatible historically. Because, you know, they had Mark Cerny had the whole commentary around the top 100 games are going to like you know they should work and then people are like well wait does that mean all the rest of the games weren't so it's good mm. that at least they've just put a line through it ps4 pretty much any title works on ps4 it's going to work on ps5 ps1 ps2 ps3 hey you got to go buy a ps3 and you can get the launch ps3s that have uh the physical uh emulators on them so for ps1 and ps2 so that's an option for some people as well a lot of people i know take advantage of that um, the other one was just around the launch titles. Like they weren't really clear on what the launch titles were for the PS5, which was really odd. And then they confirmed it afterwards. Uh, so just quickly running through of the ones we know, and this could be added to quite quickly. Uh, so Astro's Playroom, which is really, really sick. Like uh, Astro Bot, like I'm really keen to play that in VR one day. And this is like a 3D platformer version. So not a VR one, but it's very associated with uh, DualSense. So, and that's going to be a pack-in, like a very old school method, uh, pack-in for every single PS5. Again, we're not sure if that's permanent or just in the sort of launch series of the PS5s. Uh, Demon Souls, as we just referred to, Destruction All-Stars, Godfall, uh, Just Dance 2021, Marvel's Spider-Man, Miles Moranis, Morales, uh, Sackboy, Big Adventure. So they're the ones that I know are confirmed right now. And again, they might, you know, add more games as, as time goes on. I know that there's like lots of uh, third-party games that are also going to be at launch. So things like um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So yeah, there's going to be a bunch of games that you'd expect if they're launching as a sort of cross, uh, not cross-gen, cross-platform on Xbox. They should be at launch uh, with the PS5 as well. And you know and, what? I'm, yeah, sorry. Like, just yeah, on that Valhalla note, if there was any game, as weird as it is, that would get me to get a new console, it's probably that one. Just simply because <laughs> I want, you know, I, I want really want to play that game. It's like, oh man, I'll be playing it on the last gen. It's going to knock it to run as well. It's coming so on that, PC, right? Yeah, but I, to me, their console, it's a weird thing. Like, I always play those games on console, so it would feel, okay. yeah, maybe, okay. maybe it's something, something to consider, but... It, I'd probably want to play it on the Xbox ecosystem for obvious reasons. Um, yeah, fair enough. Just yeah, because I'm yeah. <laughs> well, at least with that game, they've confirmed that when you do get a Series X, which I know you will, uh, it will be a free upgrade uh, yeah. to Series X. So that's being confirmed. And just just on that sort of you know cross gen conversation, something that I thought was bizarre is you know Jim Ryan, a whole bunch of Sony people have been very adamant that you know literally their quote we believe in generations, you know, and that was the commentary of Xbox's strategy of the first 18 months. You won't likely see many first party Xbox series X slash S exclusives. Whereas, you know, Sony are kind of alluding, they didn't confirm, but they alluded that, no, we believe in generation. There's going to be PS five exclusives. And then after the event, and also by the way, after a lot of people had pre-ordered the PS five, 
they confirm that Spider-Man Miles Morales, which, by the way, is like a huge game for a lot of people, Sackboy, Horizon Forbidden West, and a whole other host of games, are actually coming to PS4. And then not only that, like almost all of them will have free upgrades to the PS5. And I, like, I thought that was a bit of a dodgy move. Because, you know, a lot of these people were like, you know, hey, I'm not. this is the only place I'm going to be able to play this Miles Morales game. And now, uh, actually, that's not right. And also, you know, when you do upgrade eventually, you'll get the game for free. So I don't know. I thought it was a really dodgy move from them. I was really surprised, actually. I think you keep trying to say Rick Moranis at the same time as saying Miles Morales. <laughs> no, I know. I don't know. Just like the name always throws me, man. Um, and then uh, the other one was uh, that we still haven't seen the UI, but they've confirmed that they will be showing it off somewhat shortly. Uh, and then there's a remaster of Spider-Man coming with all the DLC to that's PS5. The weird, and that's the weirdest thing to me because it's like, man, like that just feels a weird thing to have like announced before you've even launched the next one. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's also really muddied the waters because what they've done is with the Miles Morales game, did I say it right this time? Yes. <laughs> um, if you buy the Ultimate Edition, you will have the ability to get the digital version of the Spider-Man remaster when it comes out. And then everyone's now going, well, wait a second. I already have Spider-Man on PS4. Can't I get that for free? And they haven't, as far as I've seen, maybe this has changed, but they haven't confirmed one way or the other, like whether you're going to be able to get a free upgrade. And then just the final thing for me is just, um, they're pretty much confirmed that they're going to start pay, uh, charging $70, game, $70 US. And, you know, we're going to feel that in Australia as well um, for these really large games. So, you know, I think like Ragnarok, like all those type of games, they're going to start charging $70, which is kind of like, felt like it was coming for a long time. It's probably been, you know, pushed down from a pricing perspective post GFC anyway for a long period of time. So... That's not a shock to me, but it is it is hard for a lot of people because it just means maybe that's one less game that they can get a year. Yeah, we, I mean, at this point, I think it's just probably wise to accept it, unfortunately. It's just yeah. the way things are going. <laughs> yeah. So, it looked like, you know, for me, I thought it was a like a 10 out of 10 showcase. Like, not not that I loved everything that in it was in there, but it, it, it was so good that actually... You know, and I think we're we're pretty similar in this way that, you know, I don't think it's very logical to buy a console at launch. Now, if you're doing a gaming podcast, you might want to think about it, but, you know, I don't think it's super logical and I'd rather just go, okay, I'll, I'll even wait for the next iteration, like the PS5 Pro, whatever it's going to be called, um, before I jump in. And, you know, there's a whole suite of games that come with it at that point. But I must admit, like when I watched the showcase, it did make me go, oh, I almost feel like buying <laughs> one of these PS5s. Like, I came close. So, I'm not shocked at the reaction. And I think just looking, you know, at lots of different data points, you know, like people surveyed on Twitter, you know, the the buzz, the likes, the amount of views, all that kind of stuff. I don't know, dude. Like, to me, there's nothing that indicates that, you know, this generation, we don't know the real numbers, but it feels like for every three PlayStation fours that were sold there was one xbox one sold with everything that's sort of like happened and all the sort of you know like those data points that i'm talking about there's nothing to indicate to me that there's going to be a breakaway from that it feels like 
you know, there's going to be similar sales numbers. Like it's not going to be on par like it was with the 360 and the PlayStation 3. And I don't know, man. I don't know what that means for Microsoft in the long run. Like, are they going to be able to sustain like a console that is like third run? Like, you know, behind PlayStation and Nintendo? Like, I don't know if that's going to work. Oh, and honestly, it doesn't actually like. I don't even like thinking about it because it's so irrelevant to my own personal like enjoyment of playing video games. How much a console? Well, if they don't exist, no. But if it doesn't exist, it's gonna impact you. Yeah, but I let other people worry about that. You know, like honestly, like this is completely (laughs) honestly. I actually don't care about if one console sells more than another. I I care about obviously being able to play the games that I have and things like that. And that and yeah. If, you know, if Xbox goes away the Dodo because they don't sell enough this generation, well, then I'll just, I'll get a PlayStation or I'll just play stuff okay. on PC. Like, it doesn't worry me, honestly. Um, no, it, ne- it never has. Even, like, you know, there's a documentary coming out soon about the console wars, Sega and Nintendo. Like, even back then, like, you're a kid, so you had the console you had. And I was glad I had a Super Nintendo, but... Like I would have loved the Genesis, you know. It's it didn't yeah. worry me. I or just make a drive for us. Yeah, and it's obviously beneficial for us to you know to have these viewpoints to talk about this. Um, but I I'm kind of the person that I'm like, well, let's just see how it goes. Um, I, I'd yeah. like to see things play out, um, but I, it doesn't really worry me that much. Um, and yeah. I will say that <laughs> got nothing to do with me being like, oh, I own an Xbox. I don't care if I own stuff. Like I wouldn't, it wouldn't matter if I had a PlayStation either. Uh, it's just no, no, no. I know, I know, know that back in the day when 360 was kind of on top of the PS3. It's not like you cared one way or the other. It was more, you know. I guess my question was more around: Is it concerning? Like, hey, there might not be a Xbox, whatever the next one's going to be called. Terrible title insert here. But yeah, it sounds like you, you're just a bit like, well, if it happens, it happens, and I'll just switch. It's not like the games are going to go away. So exactly, yeah. No, fair enough, fair enough. No, like, so, you know, a great event. I really, really enjoyed it. I'm actually glad that they, you know, were able to have the sway and get, you know, the big heavy hitters, like the Final Fantasies and, you know, the God of War um, announcements. And, yeah, it was just, it was a great event. And, uh, you know, on reflection, I think, you know, in the next console launch, I wouldn't even be surprised if they wait a bit longer to announce some of these bigger things because it hasn't seemed to impact the sales at all at all and just gave them more time to prepare and really you know get that price exactly what they want it to be and moving into our next segment around another company with an interesting showcase nintendo direct mini uh, so we had a partner showcase this week again coming out of the blue there were some rumors that there was going to be another direct um i'm not sure if they're talking about this or maybe a larger direct. Um, but yeah, let, like as we normally do, starting with the biggest thing from this event, uh, which was really the announcement of two major new games. So Monster Hunter Rise and Monster Hunter Stories 2. So I thought this was really cool. And, you know, I think a lot of people have kind of, you know, I guess with the focus on Monster Hunter World and everything that that series has done and the quality of life improvements, and that's really almost like, a bit of a spin-off of Monster Hunter itself, you know, have kind of forgotten about the traditional Monster Hunter games. And these games, 
you know, it's a massive franchise. Like, you know, Nintendo had worked uh, with Capcom so much on these games and even, you know, kind of really like pushing these games as part of the 3DS and the new 3DS. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess this was quite overdue in a way, but we are looking at a traditional Monster Hunter game and this one on the Switch. So coming out on March uh, 26, 2021. Uh, it, have you ever played these Monster Hunter games? So I've put a lot of time in Monster Hunter World. Um, I won't say I did everything I wanted to do. I was at the point where I was thinking about wrapping up some of the stuff and then moving to the Iceborne content. Um, so I essentially got up to where I was working on the ma- some of the Master Rank uh, stuff. And I loved my time in Monster Hunter World. I, um, because I haven't played the older ones, I've, you know, coming into it with some of those quality of life we're talking about. Um, I imagine that depending on what they do and don't bring across, it might be jarring for some people that are starting with Monster Hunter World to go back to, um, I guess, maybe some of the more traditional um, systems. But from the looks of it, um, this is adding a whole lot more that World doesn't have. So this uh, has a lot more vertical um, movement than any Monster Hunter World, I believe. Um, a lot more around the acrobatic. Any Monster Hunter? Yeah, any Monster Hunter. So like running up mountains and things like that. Mm. You're doing the other games. Um, if there was one particular game, then obviously feel free to call us out in the comments. But um, the the thing with this is there was you know a lot more about I guess the acrobatics, um, you know, of actually getting onto the monsters. Some of that stuff was definitely there for some weapon types, uh, and they added in Iceborne. They added um, like I guess like a grappling hook shot thing that you could get onto the monsters back a lot easier. Um, this is, seems like they're just going ham on that, and they're making this kind of a yeah, just its own kind of unique thing in a lot of ways. Uh, it looks cool. Um, anyone that says, oh, it looks a bit rough or whatever uh, compared to World Bowl, first of all, not only is it on the Switch, but also go and take a look at the last game that was on the Switch. Um, I can't remember the exact name of it. but Generations. I, yeah, this is this is definitely a, a, a big jump up from that. So it's, it's great to get a, a, a full-fledged um, new Monster Hunter title on the Switch. And mm. I've heard really great things about the next game as well, or at least the the first of the next, you know, the the the, the sequel, the one that this was the sequel to. Story sequel, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was trying <laughs> to get a way to say it without like still allowing you to say Monster Hunter stories too, but we're past that point. <laughs> yeah, I, and before we move on to that, like Rise, like I, it's kind of funny because Monster Hunter became a you know handheld series, and that's where the mainline series was, and you know, I don't know why I care about this stuff, but I really care about, you know, what is the main series versus what's the spin-off series versus, you know, what are all these other things mean? And like, at least from people's, you know, perspective on, you know, what they're saying, they're actually saying Monster Hunter World is now the mainline series. So, you know, it started with the PS2 with Monster Hunter and eventually landed on the 3DS with Monster Hunter 4. But yeah, now, like, at least when I'm looking at it, it looks like they're saying World is the continuation. So it's almost like Monster Hunter 5 in, in that perspective. Uh, it's it's um, really quite arbitrary, though. I mean, they're, they're just... I know, I care about this. I don't know why. <laughs> and, I, and I felt like Rise, to me, was kind of the next in the mainline series. But, you know, it, it kind of is. Like, again, it's all semantics and what you think is canon. And, by the way, canon can change, but... I don't like, dude, like I'm actually seriously thinking about picking up this game and, you know, I'm a very pro switch gamer just cause it really matches my lifestyle, you know, being able to play a game and then, 
just, you know, put it into sleep any stage and then jump right back into it instantly. That's hugely appealing to me as a dad. So I don't know. I'm kind of looking at it. I'm thinking I might get this game. The only thing is, I think in Australia, these games have always been really highly priced. I'll just say about that whole pick up and play, put to sleep. I don't know if that's really Monster Hunter though. Like when you're out on a hunt, like though that stuff can sometimes take a while. Um, depending, you know, some of those. Yeah, but monsters. it's not online, right? Um, well, there is co-op, but you don't have to do it co-op. But the idea is, yeah. oh, I'm just going to put this to sleep. Unless, like, I could be wrong about the the version that they put the Switch previously, but the game's not. I'm saying it's not like I'm going to. It's not as put to sleep as you think that's all it's like a game where you have to kind of you know put like at least half an hour into it each run or something um mm. from my experience with world anyway um you can definitely yeah. when, I mean- when you get up to the like later on and you're super powerful and you can clear some of the battles like in five ten minutes definitely um but i'm just saying just maybe keep in mind that there's times when especially if you start doubling the cop where that stuff can sometimes sink a bit of time in yeah, I, look, I think everyone's different. Like, I'm really good at, like, even if I'm in the middle of a battle on the Switch, I'm more than happy to just press the power button, bang, go do whatever, and then pick it up five hours later and just get right back into it. Like, that's never bothered me at all. Um, and it's honestly one of the best features of the Switch. It's almost like a killer feature for me that, you know, if you're playing an online game, that's totally different, but game like this i could just pause at any time it doesn't matter and then just get back straight well, into I'm it not like, sure I'm, I'm just wide like that i'm just not sure how that works with this so i'll just say maybe just but what do you mean but like i just press the power button and then I just press it again and it'll turn on uh yeah i'm just saying maybe just a little bit of research on that before you assume it's going to work exactly like that it might actually cancel but it, every switch game has to work like that apart from the online games every single switch game has to work like that it's a part of uh publishing a game on the switch but it could, for instance, if you power button and come back in, it could have ended your hunt or something, and then you've no, nah. not if it's uh, it, only if it's online. Okay, I'll just say do some research and look into it first. That's all. So no, I, I I don't know if I've ever heard of a single player game doing that on the Switch. Like I think it's literally part of the the way the game. Like if you want to publish a single play, like a, a non online game, like you have to do it like that. I'm just trying to think. Animal Crossing is probably the only one that I can think of. Okay, I'm I'm just just giving you a heads up. Maybe just check check out and confirm that's the case. That's all. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a good point. It's a good point. Um, yeah, because like yeah, like I said, the only game that I can think of is Animal Crossing. Now, if you do that, it really screws up with the game. I guess it also. Um, I can't it, think of any other game. I will say it also depends as well if um because there's you can. With World, at least, you can create an online session even if you're the only person in it so you can get things like the daily challenges and the rewards for the day. And in that case, Mm. I've never tried, for instance, being in the middle of a hunt and just, like, putting my Xbox to sleep and coming back and seeing what happens because the the hunts generally have time limits and things. So I'm just wondering if at that point it just goes, oh, you you left the hunt or something when you come back on. So I'm not sure how that, that would work on there, but... Anyway, it'll be interesting. Yeah, and I, I mean, I do know that like the um, the whole sleep mode for Switch is designed differently than PS4 and Xbox One, like in terms of what the what a port has to comply with. Because I know that even like Doom, when it released initially, they didn't like they weren't complying with what they needed to, and they actually needed to update the game to be able to so you could just press 
the power button and put it into sleep mode, but I will check that because if I can't do that, I won't pick up this game. It's like black and white for me because <laughs> like the amount of times I just need to like pause a game is just huge as a dad. Yeah, um, there's no traditional so. pause feature, at least in World, and I'd assume it's not the case for the other ones. Um, so, yeah, so you just can't pause at any time. So, mm, Okay, interesting. Okay, interesting. Check it out. And I, I mean, like... I just want to say about that, like, I don't want that to push you away. Like, it, I, I'm super keen on this game as well. I reckon this is game... I'd love to always play co-op in these games, um, whether or not that was World or not. And uh, they're the kind of games that are made to be more fun with with more people so okay well if you pick it up i'll definitely pick it up then and then um the other monster hunter announcement which was kind of like surprising that they had these double announcements uh is monster hunter stories 2 so this is a spin-off of the original that came to the 3ds and kind of a bit of a, a sleeper hit on the 3ds and very very well regarded game it did sell okay but not in the the numbers that Monster Hunter traditionally sells, which is literally in the sort of eight to ten million uh, mark. I think this this is like sub a million for memory Monster Hunter stories. Um, so uh, you know, I think you know with the Switch, and given that stories came out quite well, like relatively late in the life cycle of the 3DS, you know, just having the audience for the Switch itself might sort of give this a bit more love. And it's a bit of a different game. You're assuming the role of the rider with the monsters. Um, yeah, like it's kind of interesting. The only thing that kind of made me kind of a bit surprised was that given that Monster Hunter Rise is coming out and I know they're different games, but still for a lot of folk, it's like Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter Rise is coming out in like late March next year. And this is penned in, I think what they've said is like essentially winter, uh, for Australia. So it's like Q2, Q3, 2021, which feels very close to when Monster Hunter Rise is coming out, don't you think? Yeah, but they're so different. Um, and I think... I know, that, but just a naive person is not going to know the difference between these games. But honestly, mo- I think most of the people... I think at this point, a lot of the people buying these games are people that probably know quite a bit about the series already or have heard about it f- around because World was such a hit. I don't think there's mm. any problem there. Like, if, if you've got a kid that can only have one or the other, then obviously... You know, there's an impact there, um, and there's there's going to be times when that definitely happens. Um, this looks cool. I almost wish the visual style of this was the visual style of Rise because it looked nicer. Like because Rise is a oh, bit okay. more kind of you know trying to a bit more be a little bit more realistic in its character models and things, but yeah. it's you know it's let's just say you look at that versus World and it definitely looks a lot rougher. Stories 2 has that stylized look to it. I'm like, man, I'd actually like to play Monster Hunter game that looks like that. But um, yeah. Yeah, that would actually mean interesting if they'd gone down that path. Because, and you know, we are, neither of us, like, it's a really weird one to say this because I get very obsessed about frame rate more than anything else. Uh, and then also low input lag and stuff like that. But I've never really been bothered by the Switch or like being underpowered. And, you know, I'm more than happy to say, Monster Hunter Rise, a game that I'm interested in getting, to me, it kind of looks like a really good PS3 game. Like, yeah. that's, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, as if Monster Hunter was going to PS3. That's what it kind of looks like to me, like, in the in the style that they'd be going for with that. Yeah, there were the moments in that Rise trailer that, you know, looked a bit rough on the frame rate, but the reason I'm not worried is because they have a history of making these for handouts. So, yeah. that, and 
I say that obviously Switch is a hybrid console, but essentially at this point, we're talking about Monster Hunter. It's like continuation of the handheld version of the Monster Hunter games, you know. So yeah, and, and it is a really good point you make, though. Like, yeah, if they'd gone for more that cell shaded sort of look for the mainline series, again, they probably couldn't do Monster Hunter Stories too if they did that, just because you know it would really look the same. But it would actually be pretty cool if it looked like that. Like that's actually that would have probably been a smart way to go about it. And, and you know, one thing out of this Monster Hunter Direct, and very much the most important thing out of this Monster Hunter Direct, <laughs> more Amiibo is being announced. The most so, <laughs> I'd say I'm probably like 50-50, because I do have a lot of games on the Switch. Like, it's getting embarrassing where on my shelf, I now need to go to the next level on my shelf, my IKEA shelf. Like, that's how many games I have. It's really crazy. Um, and I still have a lot of games that I need to get through, so... I'm probably like a 50-50 whether I'll get Monster Hunter Rise early on when it gets comes out. You know, maybe eventually it's probably a much higher chance. But with the Monster Hunter Amiibo, so there's three Amiibos that were confirmed to come out with Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, so we have the dog friend and, you know, a few other folk, and then also uh, the monster that is the key monster, the cover-up monster that's going to have an Amiibo. Um I'm a hundred percent chance of getting the amiibo, <laughs> so there's a very high possibility I'll have the amiibo and I won't have the game. It's actually funny. It's not that. I'm sorry to cut you go off. On. I'll say no, no, go. On. One of the amiibos is a palico, and it just reminded me that in Monster Hunter World, I named the palico after one of our friends, and then I sent him a screenshot, oh, yeah. and I'm like, I don't know if he appreciated it or kind of just like was like, huh, okay. I'm like, oh, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> You're a secret fairy or something. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. This is this, I was super amped about this. Like when I saw this announcement, I was like, sweet. And it also makes me go, wow. Like right now, there are seven amiibo that have been announced and that are coming out and that aren't out yet. So it, it does make me laugh when at the start of the year, a lot of people, a lot of pundits, sort of had the prediction that amiibo were going to die this year. And then, you know, we're at a point like late in the year where you've got seven more Amiibo coming that haven't even come out yet. So yeah, yeah, I'm picking up a couple next week, which are Joker and um, Hero uh, for Smash. So they're coming out next week. Hint, hint, if you're, you know, given that you're a big uh, Hero player. Um, so yeah, no, these are, these are pumped and I'm very pumped about this. And then like the thing that I'm really praying for, and I know this is not going to happen, but with the Monster Hunter Stories game that came out on 3DS, in Japan only, they created six Amiibo for that game. Six? And these are like, yeah, six. And these are like some of the most sought after Amiibo because they were very, it just like, you know, it's a bit different if like, you know, if you're in Australia or in America, go to GameSpot, they're there. Oh, this looks like a cute little figure. Sweet. I'll pick this up, right? No sweat. But because it's like America, uh, sorry, Japan only, you have to order it in. It's really tricky. It's it's just like a pain, right? They, they just, they didn't make many of them. They sort of, you know, like you have to order it from overseas through special, you know, vendors and everything like that. These are so hard to get. So an Amiibo in Australia is like about, at the time it was like 18 bucks, you know, 12 bucks in the States. I just sent you a link through uh, what people are selling uh, uh, Naviro, um, which is one of the most sought after amiibo, it's insane. 
So I don't know if you've clicked the link, but uh, it's it's loading now. <laughs> well, maybe I'll let you oh, start saying what Palico. the price is. Okay. Huh. Oh, actually. And do you see the yeah. price? Sheesh, three ninety nine. <laughs> Man, all right. Can I ask you a question? Four hundred bucks for something that goes for like twenty bucks in the store. So, so can I ask you a question? Like, I'm I'm certainly yeah. you know like we've talked about. Like, I understand doing things just because you like doing it and it doesn't really have much of an impact or, you know, like value outside of, I like doing this thing. Like I like collecting. Yeah. You definitely can't judge. You definitely can't judge. But what, (laughs) what is like 75 year old Intergot thinking when he walks into his amiibo room and there's like 600 amiibos in there at that point, what are you, what are you doing at that age? Like, what are you, what are you going to do with them? Look, look, there's a couple of things. There's a couple of things. Like, we both grew up in a similar situation. We're not, like, upper class or anything like that. Let's let's just say, yeah? Yeah. Um, so, it's not like we were, uh, you know, poverty or anything like that, but we certainly weren't on the other side of that either. Um, so, I, like, that's one element. There's one element that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty frugal in general. Um, I know 50, and I don't 50 have any bucks, crazy... 50 bucks for the digital... Uh... PlayStation 5, whatever. No, Xbox Series S. Yeah. I know. It's like, I'm very frugal, right? And I don't like wasting money in general. Um, And I don't have any crazy habits. I don't drink at all. I haven't drank for like a couple of years. So I don't spend any money on that. I don't smoke at all. I don't gamble that much at all. Like I have a very strict limit. Uh, You know, like, so there's nothing I'm really like going crazy splurging on, number one. Uh, Number two, you know, you know, this is taking way back. But in the 90s, Probably when, you know, both of us, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, we didn't have that much money. And I have to say, there's so many games that I played illegally, like through emulation, uh, and mostly Nintendo games. And I played through all these games. I never owned them. And I, you know, I kind of felt guilty about that. I've always felt like a bit guilty about that. Um, And in a weird way, I've got this weird sense, like where it's like, you know, I, I feel like squaring up, right? So initially I bought a bunch of Amiibo, not a lot, but like, you know, 10 or something like that. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I feel like just, I'm squaring up with Nintendo. Just 10 of these things. No, when I say 10, it was 10 over the course of like four months or something okay, like that. Okay, I thought you were you know, Because, you know, there's a lot of Nintendo and I'm very, I'm probably, well, not even probably, I'm like predominantly a Nintendo fan, you know? So like I had like a Zelda one, you know, Mario, and it's just kind of building it out a little bit, like all the, you know, oh, Metroid, sweet, like I'm a huge Metroid fan. So, you know, you start to build up and you can easily name 10 Nintendo franchise characters that, you know, if you love these franchises, you're like, yeah, sure, I'm happy to buy this. And honestly, my head was just a bit like, I feel like I'm squaring up a bit because I've ripped off Nintendo historically. Now they're ripping me off a bit. We're about getting even, right? Hmm. And then... I think for one of my birthdays, my wife, because they had like some sale at Big W where they were clearing out the Amiibo. She bought like, no joke, like 25 Amiibo. And I think she bought them for like five bucks each or something like that, or six bucks each. Is she regretting right? that now? <laughs> when she bought it, I was so pissed off because once she bought it, my head, because I am a perfectionist and a completionist, like deep down, and I'd really work hard to like get away from that. So, like, you know, I was like, I don't want to collect these things. I don't collect anything, really. Like, there's nothing I have a collection of because I, I know what I'm like. I'll just start going nuts. It's like the uh, X-Men uh, card 
trading cards, you know, back in the nineties, the flow ones or whatever they're called. Like I could get really crazy about that stuff. So I have to really force myself not to. Um, so when she did that, I started going, Oh my God, now I've got to work out which ones we don't have. (laughs) And then I started going, okay, I'm, I'm going to get like one of the characters, but I'm not going to get two of the same character. Like that's crazy. And then, yeah, that, that went down. And then I got to a point where I was like, Oh my God, like I have, not even the majority of these amiibos. I have like, you know, 70, 80% of the amiibos that are available. So I'm like, oh God, now I have to just start collecting every single one. <laughs> so I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's honestly like that, that squaring up was a huge part of it for me that I felt like I, I've ripped them off so much historically. You know, like I had like a DS and I never bought a game for the DS because I hacked it. Like, and I, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. I just didn't have the money. And like, I was, you know, I didn't have the money. I didn't need to do it, but that's what I did. Uh, so then I felt like, oh, you know, I'm kind of like getting back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they make good money on these things. It's not like they're a bit of plastic. That's <laughs> like $20. Like they're making good money on these things. Um, so yeah, that was part of it. And now it's just a compulsion. Like I'm more than happy to say it's a compulsion. It's like if I see it, if there's something I don't have, I'll just buy it like instantly. Um, you know, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I try not to think about it too much, to be honest. So, Intergod, kindly tell me where the amiibo touched you. <laughs> this is like your therapy in session. In my heart. In my heart. Like your therapy <laughs> in my heart. Uh, Well, I'm, I, I, like, I'll, I'll cover this as a whole segment of what I'm doing. But I'm actually planning to open them all up. Because most of mine are in boxes still. Um, but because it. I have so many... Don't do it. Because then you can no, but like you're sick of them. But I don't think I ever will, to be honest. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not like that. I don't throw out things like that I have attachment to. So I've still got heaps of stuff from when I was a kid that I, I see. And like, there's even He-Man toys that now my son plays with that I used to play with when I was a little kid, oh. which is pretty cool. Um, I just, but yeah, I, stuff like that I, w- I won't throw out. Ah, I, I just, I reckon you make a mistake if you're opening them with that many of them, but. Why? But why? Like what? Like. You do you. Because the point is collecting No, no, but what? If you're collecting them, it makes sense to kind of keep them in, you know, the, the best possible state that collectors keep things. That's all. No, no, but I, like, so when I say collecting it, it's like, I want them all. But it's not like I want to keep them in like shrink paper wrap and like, you know, like those crazy people who like have the toys and they're like, oh, don't play with the toys. Like, you know, my son plays with the Amiibo. And I I don't know, for me, it's cool, man, because he actually walks around and he knows the characters now. He's only three and he goes, Mario or Luigi or like Donkey Kong. He actually recognizes it like when we're walking around the store. (laughs) Um, So, you know, like, no, I'm fine with that. To me... The boxes compared to the size of the figures, it's just crazy differential that it's just taking up so much room having all of these boxed Amiibos. And for whatever reason, for me, I'm way more comfortable opening them all up and, you know, just having them on display. And that's what I want to cover, just like my thoughts around how I'm going to display it and what, like how that's shaping up. So... Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a it's really crazy. Like I don't deny it's crazy. Like when I only had like a dozen, I was more than happy not to get any more. But then there was some tipping point. I think it was yeah, when my wife not not in a bad way, but when she bought a stack of them, I was like, Oh man, I'm I'm all in now. <laughs> like I can't get out of this craziness. Like I'll have like variations. Like I have, you know, Rob? 
Yes. Like from Smash. Yeah. There's two versions of the Rob Amiibo, so I have to have vo- both of them, of course. There's a Famicom version, and there's like the regular version. It's like insane. It's insane stuff, dude. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm sure we'll cover Amiibo <laughs> again. Uh, and moving into our, our final part of the Nintendo Direct Mini. So the showcase overall. Um, so like there was, there were a lot of announcements and, you know, some of them we already knew about. Uh, but I just wanted to cover some of the sort of newer ones or some of the stuff that, you know, we didn't know prior to it. So uh, two things I just want to shout out. Uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. That's actually uh, out already. Uh, at the time that you'll be listening to this. And I think the awesome thing is the team really cares about the performance of the game. There were a few issues uh, with the first game and they've confirmed that this game is going to run at 60 frames a second on the Switch. And there was a physical edition of this game and the first game uh, that came out and it got sold out like almost instantly. So yeah, look, I've actually played a, a bit of the first one and I really, really, really enjoyed it. So it's just one of these ones where it just got to hit me at the right time to play. And I'll probably play the first one, but I'm I'm super stoked that they have released both of these games on the Switch. And it's kind of surprising, to be honest, because it felt like it was a pretty good exclusive to have on the Xbox. And um, just, just uh, the other sort of thing that I wanted to shout out that really stood out for me in the showcase was uh, Fitness Boxing 2. And the first fitness boxing, it's genuinely a really good uh, game to play if you don't have ring fit or, you know, it doesn't make sense for you to have ring fit. So it's it's cool that they're actually re- releasing the sequel to this. And I guess the benefit of this as well, you can always have this digital version on your console. And then as you take this switch around, you don't need to take um, the ring fit like uh, ring if you're ever going on travel, not that we'll be traveling very much at all. Uh, and then just the last thing, and I wanted to sort oh, of ask Sorry, you sorry. Well. I just want to talk about fitness boxing for one second. Okay. You um, don't want to talk about Ari, but you want to talk about fitness boxing. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> no. Were you watching on the YouTube channel, Nintendo's YouTube channel? Yeah, I always watch the, yeah, yeah, the Nintendo did one. You, right. See, did you have the chat open? when uh they were- no i always close the chat oh, i always close the chat and so like i opened it up i opened it for this specifically so they go they're Why? boxing too and they're like oh new instructors and they're like blah 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 and karen and i'm like and i open the chat straight away and there's just people just for the next two minutes just making memes about there being a karen in fitness boxing too i just thought it was absolutely hilarious I always find it unfortunate when people have those kind of names. I know. I, I'm. I. It is really unfortunate for anyone named Karen that that's be, now become that kind of you know. Uh, that's the word for people that are like you know acting that way. But it was just. And it's I, such a negative context. Oh man, the chat when that came up was just. Oh, it just made me laugh so much. That's all. That's all. I wanted. That's that's funny because like you know, and I I guess I can say this. I don't know. I got to think about this. Maybe I'll edit it later. But where I work, there's a guy called Scott Morrison, which is the name of our Prime Minister in Australia. And I always feel bad for people who, like, they have something like that. Hey, it's just like, uh, the most derivative thing is someone to mention it at the start of the conversation. It's like, oh, Scott Morrison, oh, you, you must be annoyed, hey, Prime Minister. It's like, oh, it's like the lamest thing ever. I feel so bad for the guy. I used to go to primary school with a girl named Robin Hood. 
<laughs> but that's dumb though, because <laughs> Robin Hood is like you know that's gonna that's like naming your kid Michael Jackson. It's like that's stupid. Like you already know that there's like something out there, right? Uh, she was not, like everyone called her Bobby because it was like Bobby Hood, but her full name was Robin Hood. <laughs> like, oh my god, what are you doing, new parents? That's horrible. Yeah, that that's dumb. That's dumb. That's okay. dumb. People don't think about these things enough. Fitness boxing too. I guess it's cool. No, look, it, it, like I said, it's a very good exercise game if you don't have Ring Fit, uh, and it's more portable than ring, ring Fit, so it's one of the cool advantages of having a Switch. And the last thing I just wanted to call out, and, you know, as I said, there's a lot of other announcements. I think most we already knew, or personally doesn't interest me, is I kind of actually expected a Monster Hunter Smash announcement in, in this Direct Mini, just given how many Monster Hunter games were released and... I don't know, I just got this feeling like there'll be a Monster Hunter character uh, confirmed in Smash, just given the love that the series has for Monster Hunter and the close relationship between Nintendo and Capcom. Yeah. Uh, were you kind of sensing that, or oh, not really? I didn't think about that at all until I saw your note in our run sheet. The thing for me is, it makes sense because there's already a Monster Hunter boss in Smash, so it's yeah. okay, well that makes sense, but I... After seeing the Monster Hunter character that they put in Marvel uh, vs. Capcom Ultimate, um, oh, sorry, Infinite, I should say, um, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want a Monster Hunter character in. Just like looking, because it unless I'd say unless it's a specific character from, let's say, one of the games, right? Like it's an actual character trying to come up with, I guess, like, oh, this is what a Monster Hunter Hunter character represents, because like that game lives and dies on, or like basically you're choosing the the weapon and the weapon, the entire move set changes depending on what weapon, like it's like different button combos and everything. It's almost like completely different gameplay styles. And then having to create a character that kind of represents that stuff. I don't know how I feel about it unless they go the route of, oh, you can swap between the weapons and suddenly you've got different special moves and things like if they did that, then maybe, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me on that, I don't want a Monster Hunter character in Smash, by the way. But I think just given the love of the series, it feels like it's inevitable, it's going to happen. Um, but I, I'm totally on the same page as you. It doesn't, it doesn't just naturally fill you with millions of ideas. But then again, you know, the team behind Smash are probably the most creative in the industry about like translating a character like that into a fighting game. So, I mean, if anyone's going to do it, I feel like they're going to do it the best. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, stuff like, uh, you know, Master Chief, Doom Slayer, Mark, you know, Minecraft Steve, that, like those ones just, to me, make so much more sense or more appealing as a character to be brought into the game. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just kind of was watching it going, oh, I wonder if they're going to, you know, have this at the end or something and just like blow people away. But nope. <laughs> They didn't. And again, we still don't know the Smash characters. Like, yeah. this, this is getting crazy now. I'll, I'll just say as well, it's super weird to see a John Romero game in, like, current day showcases. It's just something weird about that to me. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, Empire of Sin, not Empire of Sun. That's the, <laughs> that's the movie with... <laughs> that Spielberg made or whatever in your run sheet. The Empire of Sin is the Jack <laughs> game. I like, I like the, the shade that you're throwing at me. 
but, um, yeah, that, I don't know. It's just something weird about that. Like knowing that we kind of grew up playing Doom and stuff, and Sean Romero was always the Doom guy, and then Daikatana happened. Yeah, and it's just weird. But hey, good, good on him. You know. Well, at, he, at the time he was like people don't understand this now, but at the time he was he was the Doom guy, not John Carmack. Yeah, you know he he really was the guy, and then when he left after Quake. It, it like over time evolved to being like John Carmack, and I think everyone now, if you said, you know, name me one person synonymous with Doom, they'd probably say John Carmack yeah. more than they would say John Romero. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah. No, it, it is weird to see, um, you know, that sort of in 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 the showcase, a Nintendo showcase, nonetheless. So, do you want to talk about this uh, steamed? <laughs> Gentleman who's uh, leaving the industry. Oh, I just realized I was meant to segue into the next uh, segment and then completely. <laughs> I don't even have the columns. It's it smooth. There's like, in our run sheet, there's a bit of inside knowledge here. There's like, a, if something, if I'm meant to present something's like colored green and I didn't, like, I had like moved across, so I couldn't even see it. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we've got a big uh, famed video creator leaving the industry, Michelle Enzo. Mm. Uh, from uh, you know, famous for Rayman Beyond Good Man. <laughs> from you know, <laughs> famous for go on, go on. basically the creative Rayman Beyond Good and Evil, um, working on the upcoming Wild and obviously Beyond Good and Evil Two. Also responsible for the Rabbids, so that's uh, you know, I guess the rap. Oh God, the rap infamous bit of uh, I guess you know turnaround in 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 uh, you know how people see feel about them with the the Mario. Um, game whatever it was the XCOM game um mario and rabbits <laughs> which by the way is a really really good game like i'd really recommend playing it it's called like kingdom battles i just couldn't remember the whole thing that's all but um so they had i guess some people view them in a bit of a nicer light than we used to but yeah. that's true that's definitely true so he's left the industry um to pursue his passion for wildlife presentation uh presentation preservation so that's <laughs> Yeah, it's that's I guess really cool for him, but it's just I don't know. It felt like it came out of nowhere, considering we're kind of just we're here sitting waiting for more news about Beyond Good and Evil too. Um, but he basically said that you know, like he's been in the industry for more than thirty years, and he just you know really wants to fully focus on on wildlife. And I think he's got a sanctuary that he's setting up in France as well. But the Ubisoft also, I guess, you know, put out a statement and, and Sal himself said about those games that he's been working on that, um, you know, that essentially the teams are now very autonomous and the projects are doing really well and that, you know, we should be seeing some stuff soon. So anyone that's worried... You know that... Yeah, go. Go on, sorry. I was gonna say... No, I was just going to say, you know this is all BS, right? What do you mean? This is total crap, man. Beyond Good and Evil 2 has been... Something's wrong with that game. Like, for them to show it in 2017, and it looked fairly mature, man. Like, they had gameplay footage. And now we see nothing, and now they're talking about new gameplay footage next year for this game. Like, this guy, to me, has been sacked. And he said, you know what, I'm just going to retire, because I've sort of had a long enough career in the industry. I mean, if that's the case, that's the case. But he's leaving the industry nonetheless, so it doesn't change. Yeah, Basically, he's left the industry. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm obviously looking forward to seeing how you know specifically Beyond Good and Evil Two uh, ends up. You know, 
what it's what it is these days. But uh, good on him for um, you know, he's making a change whether or not he was you know did it voluntarily or not. Um, if he's if he's really wants to get into that, I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point he does come back into the industry, maybe with his own studio. It felt it feels like he's the kind of personality that might do that um, and work on some I guess some smaller independent titles. Uh, it just wouldn't surprise me if that happens. But if you know, if, uh, if this is truly the change, then uh, yeah, all the best for him. Yeah, you know he who he reminds me of, and I don't know that much about him or the guy I'm about to talk about. But I've seen interviews and he heard them speak. But he reminds me of Lorn Lanning, the guy yeah. behind Oddworld. And you know, like we didn't mention that. Yeah, there is a new Oddworld title coming out to the PS5. Um, but I don't know. They sort of like they give me the same kind of vibes, and I totally agree with what you're saying that. I could imagine in five years' time or three years' time, he comes back with his own studio and he's making a game, and the whole wildlife thing is, uh, you know, put out to pasture. Yeah, it's. I think it's you know, either way. Um, it seems like like I've always loved the games that I've played of his. Um, love Rayman mm. Two, Rayman Three, Beyond Good and Evil as well. Um, even the King Kong game that he worked on with Peter Jackson, that was actually pretty decent. Um, so I'm yeah. Yeah, looking looking forward to uh, yeah. what happens. I mean, like most people would kill for his resume, you know, and the sort of how critically and also just culturally well received uh, the games that he worked on were. I mean, even like up to Raymond Legends, like that's that's an awesome game. Hmm. Like that's a really really cool game, and for that to be essentially now his last game that he saw to the end, uh, I think yeah, great career. Like he's done a great job, but I do think he'll come back, and I think that there's probably a lot of uh, stuff going on behind the scenes with Beyond Good and Evil 2, which is kind of like what drove this whole decision to come out. All right, well, let's get into uh, a new style of segment <clears throat> that I've uh, titled the Ed Intorial. Do, do you like the little pun there? <laughs> I don't know how I feel. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, I'm devastated now. Um, so this little segment is where I get up on my soapbox as I tend to and like to, uh, and pontificate about a certain topic. So I I think it's more like you're putting a soapbox on top of your existing soapbox and getting on that segment. (laughs) True. True. Yeah. (laughs) Totally fair. I'll take it. Um, so, so the, the, the sort of point that I want to make, uh, this week, and this is not going to be a weekly occurrence, so I shouldn't say this week, but uh, in in this show, is why I think everyone should be very excited that Mario 3D All-Stars is actually emulated uh, and isn't sort of ported or, you know, recoded or remastered. Uh, so, you know, this news came out uh, actually because the game leaked, so people got their hands on it a little bit earlier, and they're able to decompile the game a bit and disassemble it and work out that oh, actually it literally is taking the ROMs uh, and then sort of, you know, making them emulated. And there's actually a really cool uh, video from a really cool creator. We've mentioned him already, uh, Mo- Modern Vintage Gamer. He's also Aussie, but I think he lives in the States now. Um, and he actually talks in depth about this. But they've they've done some really, really cool stuff behind the scenes. So there's a couple of things. There's, you know, they use a mechanism to actually capture like machine uh, code instructions where, you know, basically the game, the ROM itself and the way it's all coded, it's saying, give me this texture and they're injecting things into it, which says, 
hey, don't don't take that texture, take this one instead. And what that means is instead of a low-res texture, they dynamically take a high-res texture and then insert it into the game. So, you know, we're playing like a ROM on an emulator, but then with this weird kind of cover over the top of it, where it's like kind of almost like a bit hacked, um, which I think is like so cool, like how they're able to actually make that work to a point where, you know, reviewers who were playing this game, they didn't know that that's how it worked. They reviewed the game and they were like, look, it seems like it's they've taken the game directly and just put it on the system. They haven't really tweaked the game. It's definitely not a remaster uh, like you see with Demon's Souls, as we spoke about earlier. Now, you know, I do understand people are getting frustrated about this. And, you know, I do think the price tag for this game, it's one of those weird ones where, you know, probably the fair customer, consumer price would have been more like a you know, 50 bucks Australian, 40 bucks US. Now, let's be real, everyone's bought this game. So why would they charge any less? Like, that's capitalism. But one thing that I would say is, and why I think we should be excited about this is, what they've done now is, and the team that worked on this game is actually the team behind uh, the NES and Super Nintendo emulators for the Switch, and they did the Super uh, Nintendo Classic consoles and the Nintendo Classic consoles. I think why we should be so excited about this is because effectively this has proven that they've absolutely figured out a way and a framework to take Nintendo 64 games, to take GameCube games, to take Wii games, and then bring it on the Switch, but bring it on the Switch in a format where people don't even really perceive what the difference is between their playing as compared to with the Wii and Wii U virtual console. Like I've gone back and played that. And to me, it's very clear straight away that these are like inferior, like emulated versions of the games, like to the point where even the colors are off in the games, like they're muted or dark. It just doesn't feel right. It doesn't look right. There was massive input lag with Mario 64 on the Wii U. It's just to me unplayable. Whereas with these versions and I've fired it up, I got the game on Friday like they play really well. Like I know that people aren't happy that they're not like a full remaster and it would have been awesome if they had done that. But I think we should all be excited that given that they've done that, I think that this to me makes it feel inevitable. They'll either release more games uh, from those libraries in collections like this, or probably the more likely outcome, which is that they'll roll out, you know, a Nintendo 64 online component to the Nintendo Switch Online um, package. And maybe they they offer sort of a Nintendo Switch Online Plus where you get a library of Nintendo 64, GameCube, and Wii titles. And there's just so many games in that back catalog that are so awesome and a lot of people have never played that I actually think overall, like if you're going to take it, this is actually a better thing that that's happened like this, given that this may then open the door to all these other games that, that we can play. So that's my editorial. Uh, what are your thoughts, Winnie? I'm just looking forward to the day when I can play uh, Superman 64 injected with high-res ring textures. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I, uh, that's funny. Look, well, I, as part of this, I'm actually going to hold my thoughts, um, not so much on, I guess, your, the topic at large, but specifically Mario 3D All-Stars, because uh, I played a little bit of it this morning, but I want to, I guess... Maybe we'll both give our impressions of it next week when we've had a bit more time with all three yeah. versions. Um, and yeah, then yeah. I'll probably, yeah, give my thoughts on, I guess, how how they have or haven't adapted the game to, you know, to play on the modern console. So, 
Yeah, nice, no, fair enough. Cool. All right, let's get into my favorite segment of every week, the bargain bin. Uh, so this week uh, is a special week for me as a huge Rocket League fan. Rocket League, it's finally been announced. Uh, unfortunately for them, uh, Nintendo accidentally leaked the date because they actually updated their store with the, the free-to-play date. Uh, so in the States, it's 23 September. In Australia, it's 24 September, just because of the time zone differences. Uh, and yeah, Rocket League's going free. And that's also going to coincide with the new season of Rocket League starting, as we mentioned uh, in a prior podcast. I'm actually super pumped about this. I actually fired up Rocket League again. I've been playing it quite a bit recently. And uh, the update's already been pushed. It's obviously not gone live to free-to-play yet, but they've actually uh, changed uh, a bit of the UI. And to me, I know a lot of people don't like it. I'm kind of surprised. I really like it. I think it looks a lot cleaner. It's a lot simpler, uh, what they've done with it. And they've just broken up the categories in a really obvious way for people. Like, hey, here's casual, here's competitive. So, yeah, if you haven't played this game before... 100% 100% jump on it. It's coming out Thursday after uh, this goes live. It's free on all platforms and it's also integrated across all platforms. So you have one account and you can you know play it on the Switch, play it on the Xbox, play it on the PlayStation or your PC. It's going to be on Epic Game Store. It's no longer going to be on Steam. Uh, and yeah, it's just a freaking awesome game and I, it's going to be fascinating to see how many people uh, jump on this game. Because, you know, a lot of people already grabbed this game. A lot of people bought this game. It's consistently been in like a top 20 seller for a long time. So, you know, is this actually going to make any difference? Like, are there going to be a stack of new players because of this? Or is it kind of going to be a bit of a relative blip? It's going to be pretty interesting to see. Are you are you keen to jump back on it? I know that you play it from time to time. Uh, not for a bit. I've got so many games I'm in the middle of. So, um, I... Yeah, I, I'll jump back on at some point, probably in a couple of months, and, and play some, maybe start doing some nightly games again. But um, yeah, I'm kind of, I did this before. I'm kind of happy to take a break for, you know, like half a year and then come back to Rocket League again and just, you know, it's the kind of game you can just jump back in straight away. So Yeah. And for me, like, because uh, I own it both on PC, Steam, and the Switch, I'm actually pumped because the biggest thing for me is that cross platform element that you know it's awesome that now i can play it on the switch and it's linked into the same account as my pc one and you know it's a way inferior version on the switch but it's still nice to play every now and then just on the switch i play casual uh just when i'm in bed or whatever like it's pretty cool and and just getting to uh epic games uh so this week last week it was only stick it to the man that was announced as the free game this week but they added two other games so football manager 2020 and Watch Dogs 2, which had previously been free post the uh, Ubisoft forward event. Uh, but now you can get it for free on Epic Game Store. So that's free this week. And next week, Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 Complete Edition is going to be free. Which, weirdly enough, I'm looking forward to that. I, I love those kind of games. I think they're really good fun. Uh, going on to Nintendo Switch. So some announcements on uh, Nintendo Switch Online, which is pretty cool. So new games coming to SNES and NES in terms of uh, the online versions. So we've got Donkey Kong Country 2 Diddy's Conquest, which is very timely, given that, you know, we both had chatted about reviewing and going through all of the Donkey Kong Country series. So now that they're coming out on Switch, it's almost perfect for that. So we'll have to lock in the date uh, when we're going to play this one. Uh, we also have Mario's Super Picross, which, I, you know, weirdly enough, I've actually played this game quite a lot. 
uh, on PC, like in the emulated version, because it's a Japanese game. Same. So, oh, you have, you have as well. How weird is that? Because um, it's all Japanese. And it's weird. They're releasing it just in Japanese. Like, they're not translating it. Oh, so, you know to play it's the game. kind of odd. You don't really need to know much Japanese to play the game. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not saying it's, like, insurmountable. It's just odd because, you know, someone who doesn't know that and then they put it on, it's like, you know, a regular person's like, what the hell's going on with this? This is, like, not English. What's going on? I think there's a, uh, at least one other title that I've seen that's on there that does the same. I just can't remember what it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like one or two. Um, so Poyo Poyo, the Poyo Poyo yeah, game, it, yeah, is is Japanese, and you know uh, just to round it out, so the Peacekeepers and uh, uh, NES game called Special Cybernetic Attack Team, uh, what, and there's an acronym for that. Yeah, okay. Gonna, what's the acronym? It's SCAT. It's you scat. can say it. <laughs> it's the most unfortunate title. SCAT is the word. Okay. That's actually a pretty good. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good game. Uh, I reckon. Like, I haven't played it since I was, you know, dabbling in NES emulation for the first time. But um, it's it wasn't bad. Well, that's not bad. I never, I never. <laughs> I've got that on tape now. Um, I don't think it was called that. Thank God, I don't think it was called that in Australia. I think in the PAL regions it was called something else. I'm just looking it up now. Like something about New York from memory. It's called Golden Showers. <laughs> It was called Attack in New York in Australia. What's that? In Europe. Attack in New York. Oh, that's... Oh, no, Action. Sorry, Action in New York. Yeah, I mentioned it was like Action New, new something. <laughs> A new Action... Uh, uh, league. League. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so like surprise announcement. No one was expecting this. They just made All-Stars uh, free on Nintendo Switch Online. And yeah. It actually got a lot of buzz, especially with Diddy's Diddy's Conquest. And now, it it feel like it'd be really weird uh, if they didn't release uh, Donkey Kong Country Three. I think. Yeah, definitely. I, it's I was always always surprised that same with the SNES Classic that Donkey Kong Country Two was never there. So, uh, yeah, see them add it to this. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And then uh, switching over to the PlayStation. So I just wanted to call out with the PlayStation Plus collection on PS5. Uh, so I'm just going to quickly zip through the 18 games that they've announced that are going to be a part of that. So obviously that's when the PlayStation 5 comes out. So that'll be the 12th of November this year. So it's uh, Batman Arkham Knight, Battlefield 1, Bloodborne, Days Gone, Detroit Become Human, Fallout 4, Final Fantasy 15, God of War, Infamous Second Son, the Last Guardian, Last of Us Remastered, Monster Hunter World, Mortal Kombat 10, Persona 5, Ratchet and Clank, Resident Evil 7, Uncharted 4, and Until Dawn. Like, really good lineup. Like, that is crazy, man. There's so many of those games that are almost must-plays. Oh, what? There's no scat there? <laughs> you mean attack new assault league? people no league sorry <laughs> um yeah like I, I think that's the whole argument around quality versus quantity that's like there's a hell of a lot of quality there and uh do you want to cover the xbox uh titles yeah so i think it's just uh just some updates about games leaving game pass this week on september mm. got bad bad news boo bad north uh westerado double barreled and ukulele leading uh leaving xbox uh console game pass and on both console and PC, Dirt Rally 2 and Dishonored 2 are both leaving. 
And it's oh, I might actually have to play some Dishonored 2 because I was like halfway through the game and I think I don't own it. So I should probably get back to that one before that leave. See, okay, like I've thought so much about this. You know, I feel like we've spent the last 10 episodes talking about whether I'm going to get Game Pass or not. I think like the fact that games go off and I'm glad that we do this and we talk about which games are going off Game Pass. It's so off-putting to me because I don't have the ability to just quickly drop everything and play a game for, you know, 30 hours in a single week sometimes. I just can't do that. Um, yeah, I think that it really kind of puts me off Game Pass big time because of that. Oh, well, that's them's... I can't remember them. It's something them's the... Some... Come on, you... No, nah, nah. them's the breaks. Them's the breaks. That's it. That's just yeah. You, go. you, you know, you got to be a fanboy and go. No, you're just wrong. Nah, like man, I've said it before. Like, I know. like Netflix. Like you, you know, stuff comes and stuff goes. And if that doesn't work into your way you play games, then it's not probably for you. No, nah, fair enough. All right, and let, let's get into uh, into my 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 look, my view. Oh, yeah. Can I my you I know you're about to intro, but I've got to, I've got to like, just say something. So you said that, hey, I've got some impressions, but it's a secret game. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Then <laughs> on our run sheet, we've got like tabs at the bottom for each of our episodes. <laughs> you put like for ints eyes only in a tab and you color it red and you put it right next to like this week's run sheet. <laughs> it is- Have you clicked it? I have not clicked it. Still, oh, good, I'm, good, I'm, good boy. Knowing you how you know good you are with with like scripting and stuff, you'd probably like unleash a virus if I clicked open that tab or something. <laughs> if I viewed it, but basically, um, I haven't looked at it. But man, you made it hard not to click on it. It's like just it was, it, and actually, I remember it had been moved and you moved it back. <laughs> well, I've got to move it back so that because we're in the show, so you know, right. so I can click on it. Um, and yeah, okay. So let, let, let's get into it. Let's get into what, what my inquiry has been this week. Oh, inquiry. Um, so I, I don't know why I tried to keep this a secret from you. I, I just kind of did it and then it became a big thing and I didn't want you to know. So <clears throat> we were chatting last week about a game and off the cuff, I was, I was like, oh yeah, I've played this game a little bit and you know, I'm kind of interested in it and I'm definitely interested in the sequel of this game. And then for whatever reason, I got it into my head, like, I had to play this game. Like, I had to play it. And the game is Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition <laughs> on the Switch. So, I don't know why I was so compelled to get it. I, I just think, like, you know, with the announcement of uh, Age of Calamity coming out in uh, 20th of November this year, and I'm a huge Breath of the Wild fan, like, massive, massive Breath of the Wild fan, some part of me was just like, oh, you know, I'm definitely going to get this Age of Calamity game. Then, you know, it'd be good to, you know, have my head around these games. So, like, you know, kind of as background, obviously, uh, well, not obviously, but with Hyrule Warriors, it's part of, uh, I guess, the broader Dynasty Warriors Muso sort of, it's almost a genre, but it's actually just one company uh, or like, you know, one publisher making these games. And just looking at it, it's so crazy, man. Like these hack and slash games with, you know, hundreds of enemies on the screen, you know, they've got nine games in the mainline series, Dynasty Warriors, but then I counted it roughly, and there's like 21 spin-off games <laughs> in the same sort of mode and model. And it's just like, it's so bizarre to me that this company has the the grip on this kind of like 
idea. Like there's not really that many other people who are known doing this. And it feels like everyone just goes to these guys you saw some, to make the spin-off game. You saw some stuff like 99 Nights and stuff earlier in the last generation try to kind of put play their hand at it a bit. Yeah. They, none of them took off. It was always these games. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So, like, even really different companies, like Nintendo, you know, you've even got stuff like uh, P- Persona uh, Scramble, you know, like going into... Uh, this uh, hack and slash style uh, Musou game. So uh, yeah, like I said, I don't know why I had it in my head. I like I had to play this game. I don't know. It just got into my head. I was thinking. I think part of it was like I knew that it would be hard to find physically. I'd heard people say you pretty much can't get it. So then I did a bit of searching and I actually found a physical copy not too far from my house. Uh, so I went and picked it up. And just for context, like this is essentially. Like, it's a really weird game in a way because Hyrule Warriors came out on Wii U and that was, like, literally almost to the day six years ago that that game came out. And then two years after that, uh, the 3DS port came out. So it's definitely a port. But in the port, they introduced new features and new characters. Uh, And then the Wii U game also had DLC. And then Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition, which came out two years ago, 2018, that combined elements of, well, like pretty much everything in Legends and in the original Wii U and just mashed it all together and then added some more stuff to the game. So it's like, oh, okay, like there's a, you know, I know everyone's always said that this game has a stack of content and I don't know, like I keep saying, like Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity, I feel like I'm going to get that. And I'm like, oh, I might as well get my head around what these kind of games are. So like in terms of the game, like what is the game? You know, what's it play like? This game, to me, is so bizarre. Like, playing it and seeing it... Like, and I think playing it versus seeing it is really different. And more so than any other game so, that I've seen can recently. I, can you just clarify, is this the first time you've played a Muso title? Well, like, like I said, I'd, I'd played, like... And honestly, for like 10 minutes, Hyrule Warriors and Legends. Outside, so, like, on the outside, Wii U 3DS. Outside of Hyrule Warriors. So it's first outside of that, nothing. Okay. Zero. All right. Yeah. So this is my first experience with these hack and slash Musou style games, right? So, you know, I boot it up and, you know, okay, initial impressions that are hitting me. I'm, I'm, I'm booting it up and it's loading up and everything like that. And I'm like, this feels like a fan game ripoff. Like, it just felt like instantly this is not a Nintendo game. Like, I get it. It's like Breath of the Wild. Oh, sorry, not Breath of the Wild. Legend of Zelda, like that whole universe. And, like, it's taking from all the, like, Legend of Zelda games that I can see of, maybe apart from Legend of Zelda 2. I haven't seen anything from Legend of Zelda 2 so far. But, like, you know, it just, like, everything about it, I'm like, this doesn't feel quite right. It just feels, yeah, like a not-quite-right version of Zelda as even a spin-off. So that kind of hit me at, at first. I was like, oh, okay, it's a bit strange. And then I started playing this game, and you just jump into it straight away. And, dude, like, I love this game. I love this game so much, and I don't understand why. I wasn't sure it's so... why you were going to go on that one. Well, I, I, you know, legitimately, like, I, I, I was chatting to a mate about it. I'm like, this game is legitimately, like, a bad game. Well, not, not a bad game. That's, that's unfair. It's just not a great game, and it's so janky. It's so bizarre, the game. Like, there's parts of the game. Like, it's basically a cutscene, and the cutscene's choppy as hell, Right? Like, it, it's, like, honestly running in single frames a second, some of the ch- the cutscenes. And then you get into the game itself, and it runs really smoothly at times, and you've got, like, 
50 enemies on the screen and it's totally fine. It's just, the game makes no sense, like what it does at times. And by the way, I have heard that with Persona 5 Scramble, so the this style of game in the Persona universe or Persona 5 universe, that the new Switch port of that is actually pretty good, like in terms of how it's running. So maybe they've made improvements on the engine, but yeah, just playing the game, I'm like, this is such a dumb game. Like, and I keep on writing things in my notes, like mindless. And, and you know, I was chatting to a mate and this, this is what it reminded me of. Put your head back into like Star Wars episode one. You know, when you get like the Jedi and they're like fighting the droids hmm. in that, and they're just like slicing through it like butter. Like it's like they're not even looking. They're just like, and they're all just dying. Like this is this game. This game is like mowing the grass. Like the grass offers no defense. <laughs> You're just going, and there's something so relaxing that for me about this game. And the fact that, like, you know, it's set in the Zelda universe, which I love, it's just, like, I, I can't stop playing it, man. I feel like I played it for, like, 30 hours this week <laughs> since I got it. I just always pick it up all the time, and I'm like, I can just keep on smashing through this. And I played all, like, the different modes, and boy, oh boy, man, there's a lot of content in this game. Like, all these characters can be leveled up. There's all, like, skill trees for all the characters. To me, kind of feels like not that much point of the skill trees you know i'm not deep enough in the game for that um and also the game feels very very easy and it really tries to push you to play in the easier mode when you first start playing the game <laughs> like it's really explicit like hey you probably should play in the easy mode i'm like no i'm not gonna do that and then even playing it now i'm like i think i might bump it up to hard because the game's just way too easy otherwise um but yeah, man, it's 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 just it's a bizarre game, man. It's a bizarre game that I honestly can say I love this game. So and does it make you more hyped it scares for me Age of because, Calamity now? Well, that's the problem, man, because I love this game so much that and it's got so much content, I feel like even my head's going shit, I need to get through this game because you know, I definitely am gonna get Age of Calamity. I'll probably get it for Christmas, like as a Christmas gift. But once that comes out and how much I love Breath of the Wild and this is like the perfect way to play something like that for me. Cause it's, you know, like the story in this game is so dopey. It's so freaking dopey. It's just like, uh, you know, it's full of like stupid tropes from Japan. And it seems like even worse in Japan with these kind of tropes. And, <laughs> but I love it. I can't explain it, man. I, someone said, you know, why do you love this game? It's really, really hard for me to explain other than, when I play it, I just it's so relaxing. I don't have to think. I feel like I could play this game and have chat to you, like while I'm playing it. Well, because there's not much to it, you know. I tell you, it'd be interesting to play a Breath of the Wild game where your weapon doesn't break every ten enemies. <laughs> oh God, you're such a hater on Breath of the Wild. Oh. Such a hater. Oh, it's quite. But yeah, like so, this game's this game's awesome. So like, kind of like the summary for me is just, you know, the question that I ask myself is. You know, should you buy this game in 2020, given that Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity is coming out? And I'll probably put three things on it. Like, first off, you know, if you've played these Musou hack and slash games and you like them and you like, you know, Zelda and you can get it for like a reasonable price. Like, I don't think I would pay full price for this. I think I paid like 49 bucks or something and I had like discounts on top of that. So it probably worked out to be like 44 bucks I got this game for Australian. So like 30 bucks American. I think that that's like a really good deal. Like I definitely would do that. So, you know, I think if you're in that, that camp, I still think even 
given that the new game's coming out, this is well worth getting because this just has so many cool elements from the history of Zelda. Like, as much as I say it's a fan game, and I don't mean that dismissively, really. Like, you know, you can see the passion from the developers. Like, they genuinely love Zelda. Like, you know, all the things that they've worked in and the little nuances and little nods and things like that, and some of the obvious ones as well. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just really cool. Like, I just thought it was like such an odd game and I'm so shocked that, like, I'm really shocked how much I like this game. Like I thought, honestly, I thought I bought this game and I thought I'll regret buying this. I even thought I'll probably return this game. Uh, cause you can do that with EB games. Uh, but yeah, I'm like total opposite. I love this game, man. It's one of my favorite games this year. <laughs> of another year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah true, true. <laughs> yeah wait till we get around to doing uh 2018 well i guess like technically you go 2014 so yeah no it's cool i like it oh so you've you've been uh catching up with some horror warriors and i have been playing something a lot more recent i have been playing don't nod's latest game tell me why so tell me why is uh it's an episodic adventure interactive story game uh, from Don't Not Entertainment and published by Xbox Game Studios. So that means it's exclusive for Xbox and PC, unlike the majority of their previous games, which have generally been multi-platform. Um, so with this game, the first chapter came out on the t- August 27th and all three chapters, there's only three of them have been released now. So I was originally going to just give my, I guess, impressions of the first chapter, but I played through the whole game. So this is almost like a review at this point. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's on Game Pass, so I didn't have to pay anything outside of what I pay for Game Pass, so that was always a benefit. And I think for this kind of game, it is a huge benefit because it's not probably the kind of game I'd immediately go, I'm going to go out and purchase that, but because it's available, Mm. I've said, hey, you know, and I want to have a chat about it, I thought I'd jump in. So Don't Nod, they uh, essentially, they hit the, I guess, the industry with uh, Remember Me back in 2013, um, but they've kind of made, they really made their name with Life is Strange, which the first series came out in 2015. And Life is Strange is a very much what this game is in a lot of ways. So if you've ever played any of those uh, games, whether or not it was in the first series, Before the Storm, or uh, Life is Strange 2, um, the game plays very similar. But the reason why I was keen to really play this was because I was a huge fan of their game uh, Vampire, which came out in 2018 and is now on essentially every current console. I love that game, but it's very different. That's like an action RPG set in, you know, like um, like in, in England, but like I can't remember the exact time frame, but it was very different than this. But I definitely see a lot of that game in the way that this game is presented. And, and I think Don't Not Do a great job in creating moments and things that kind of stick with you. But as for Tell Me Why... Um, so this game was showcased in the one of the recent Xbox events, and I'd say that the trailer they showed was very representative, but didn't make me go, "I really want to play that." Um, but it's yeah, it's it's an interesting game, and it essentially is based around. Uh, so you've got a brother and sister, and I'm not going to go into spoiler territory, by the way. Everything I'm talking about this game is mm. was either in the trailer or you learn in the first like five minutes of the game. So it's like just the story. Mm. So it's a very focused story about a brother and sister named Tyler and Allison. Uh, they're twins, basically returning to after ten years to their family home in a small town in Alaska known as Dallas Crossing. And it's all about them returning after a family tragedy um, that happened ten years ago, which resulted in the death of the mother. 
And so the plot's all about them trying to piece together everything that happened there. And the twins have been split up since then. So they hadn't seen each other in person, or I don't believe they've seen each other in person for 10 years, uh, with Ellison staying behind in the town with uh, the foster parent, which is who's the chief of police, which works into the whole storyline as well. And Tyler mm. being sent to a juvenile detention centre because he was the one that killed the mother. So that's all stated up front, right? We know that, oh, that he he stabbed the mother in self-defense. So it's all about trying to figure out why things happened, which is really cool. Like It's almost like a mystery, but between a small group of about seven to eight people in a small town. So you're just trying to just, as the brother and sister, try to figure out why... Why was the mother drove to so basically the mother like chase the the them with a shotgun and things? It's like what happened, right? And it's a lot of the themes of this. It's and this is really important. Is it was all about identity. Um, so whether or not it's unpacking the the mystery behind the mother and what happened, what caused her breakdown, but also about the identity of the siblings themselves, and in particular Tyler, who's actually a trans man, and this. It's this game has received a lot of praise for how it actually tackles the trans and identity themes, and they worked closely with Glad, um, and they actually have a trans mm. actor playing Tyler, and I think it's handled really, really well. Um, and it's not, it's not just you know they're tacking on oh you play as a, a trans person for you know sake of diversity. It's very important to the storyline because it's very central to the relationship with the mother. And I, I can't get into more of it why that's important, but it is it is it's really really interesting how um, the story um, revolves around it, and it's really refreshing. You know, uh, this is one of the first games that the main character is trans, and it's you have to really it, it opens I think your mind up to a lot of well, this this person's going back to they were they were a kid when they left the town. They're coming back to the town for the first time. And so you see all the reactions of the people to, oh, Tyler, oh, okay, like, and how awkward it is. And sometimes you see how people, you know, go out of their way to to kind of make that, you know, to make an effort to kind of, you know, to address that or some people that are really awkward or rude about it. And it's just really, really interesting. And one thing I'll say about the story as well, that for anyone that's familiar with Life is Strange, it does, this story also has some out there elements as well so while it is very much oh you're in a small town it gets a little crazy at times so but it is only three it's about a nine hour game when you factor in all three chapters um so it does tell a very um yeah a very focused story and of a core group of about seven to eight people including your main characters um as for the actual gameplay itself so Intercot, i don't think you've ever played have you ever played a tell- telltale game or life is strange or anything like no. that so no, I played uh, uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. Okay, so but that's a bit different. It is, but it's. It, I wouldn't say it's too dissimilar um, in some ways. Where a lot of the game is essentially you um, walking around interactive objects, and with with this game, it's full three D exp- uh, exploration. There's no fixed camera or anything, so you're walking around, and you're essentially you know interacting with objects learning about the story and the characters through that and talking to the characters themselves. And there's a lot of choose your own adventure here. So a lot of decision-making that's, you know, that's where the telltale life is strange stuff comes really into it. Um, how it impacts the, the outcome of the story. 
and quite a few cool puzzles as well. Um, and it's all revolving around this like fairy tale storybook that the ki- that they put together as kids with the mother. And so there's mm. these different stories that then relate to the history and, and everything. Um, and some like quick play events, which uh, actually pretty fit in pretty well. It's definitely not a graphical powerhouse, but it doesn't really need to be. I mean, it's running on an Unreal Engine, but it the character animations are really good and the voice acting is great, which is the most important part in this game. Um, yeah. Some really good facial animations. Um, like there's some scenes where they've got to convey some pretty serious emotions. So I think they do really well. And just the setting, the small small fishing town in Alaska, it's all snowed over. It, 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 feels, it feels right. You know, I think they've done a really good job there. And they make some really good licensed music choices. So overall, I think, um, yeah, the presentation's pretty pretty good. Um, it suits what the game needs to be. But I will say I did have some problems with this game. I had some... I've written down here, <laughs> installation woes. <laughs> so, <laughs> installation oh, woes. Man, this, uh, like, basically, so I played through Chapter 1, and then I'm like, oh, I need to play through Chapter 2 and 3 before the podcast. So I hadn't done that, mm. and yesterday I'm like, okay, I need to play through these. So the first time I loaded up, like, a week ago and played through Chapter 1, it was like, a gig patch. I'm like, okay, cool. All right, whatever. I haven't played this game, blah, 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 right? Then I install Chapters 2 and 3, and I go to load them. Another eight gig patch a week later. I'm like, okay, all right, well, okay. Then I load episode two again, another seven gig patch. I'm like, hmm, come on, I just want to play the game at this point. But it was an episode patch for episode, sorry, it was a patch for episode three. And I'm like, oh, whatever, all right, just install. Then I go to load it again. Now it's another five gig patch for episode two. It was like altogether four bloody patches. And I'm just like, oh my God. But other than that, I, I really enjoyed the game. Um, the story and the characters really actually captivated me. I don't know if it's going to be everyone's cup of tea. Um, I have a feeling I'd actually like to go back to play Life is Strange games to see how they compare. I think a lot of people love the the first two series of that um, and maybe a little let down by this one because it's quite short. Um, some of the narrative stuff didn't pay off as well as I thought it would, Um but I've heard that potentially this game may have been originally been much larger in scope and it got scaled down. So that might be part of it is that they kind of, they had a much grander, uh, I guess, narrative thread that they wanted to work on, but they needed to work into a nice condensed three chapter um, story. Um, as I mentioned, they had, they've got a really good flair for moments. Um, just like there's a nice scene where you just sit in there fishing, ice fishing with a character and it's just you chatting this character and learning more about them and just just, just really, really well done. Um, as I said, it's not for everyone. The game's pretty slow-paced, um, so it might not hook people. But as I said before, it's on Game Pass. Um, so you, you can give the first chapter a, a shot. If you don't like it after the first hour, then you haven't really lost anything but that hour. So I don't think there's, you know, mm. got anything to lose. But um, it's honestly... I've been because I've been playing so much Kingdom of Amalur. Um, it's just a nice break from mindless action. <laughs> Tyra Warriors is, is <laughs> it reminds me of that. Um, and overcomplicated systems, you know, that in nearly every modern game, it's just you're walking around talking to people and learning about a cool story. So you might end up loving it like I did. Yeah, nice. And and you know, I guess the way I'd always look at these games because. I feel like with these type of games, and is there a name for them? Because I feel like that 
title walking simulator is so derogatory for these kind of games? People generally don't consider these ones walking simulators. They're just it, oh, they're kind okay. of adventure games, but they're not point-and-click adventures, really. So they're not... Yeah. To call it a point-and-click, you, you pick up items, but there's no inventory, which is kind of a key thing to point-and-click. So they're not like your Monkey Islands or your Grim Fandangos or anything. So I think adventure game is kind of probably the most suitable uh, term for them. If we're not thinking yeah. adventure, uh, walking simulator, I do think something like Edith Finch or uh, Gone Home and games where mm. you're not really interacting with many people. You're just kind of just walking from point to point um, and it's all about the experience of that. This is very much you're making narrative choices, you're picking up items, you're um, you know, speaking to people, things like that. So it's much more interactive than, than those games generally are. So, Yeah. And, and would you say that this game is so compelling that it should bring people who aren't really even into those games in the first place? Or it's more of a game that if you like those style of games, it's well worth playing? I, it's a tough one because it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. No way at all. Um, mm. There's, I spent like half an hour just walking around a store looking at items in the in the game just because I wanted to hear what the character said about a random bottle of bleach and things. You know, I <laughs> I didn't need to. I just want I was keen to explore and and learn more about the world and what the characters how they think. Um, a lot of people just love to you know play Tetris or jump into Call of Duty match and things they don't want they don't care about learning about this and you know there's it's there's times when it might ruffle people's feathers a bit because obviously it's tackling some tough issues um whether or not Mm. um, about identity or if it's about there's a lot of uh, mental illness and things as well um and it's some of that stuff might might also be a bit troubling to people as well um but i think it's yeah i i think it's worth a shot because on game pass um and if you don't if you don't like how it kind of as I said like the first hour by that point you you've seen what the how the game plays, you kind of get an idea of what it's going to be storyline wise so that'll be kind of uh, i guess the point you make decision whether or not you want to you know sit there for the whole time. It's like any t v series so this is very much like a t v series um game in a way yeah no, fair enough no that sounds good. Sounds awesome. All right. Well, I think that wraps us up uh, for this week's episode of uh, Big Week in Gaming. As always, if you want to help us out, uh, reach out to us on Twitter or through YouTube uh, and definitely uh, give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app because uh, that helps us grow or share it with your mates. Uh, with that said, I'd like to say bye-bye. See ya. <laughs>